suddenly George is conscientious about his audio feed. <laughs> He's playing Wipeout on his microphone, and then suddenly... Hey, can we start rehearsal? No, I don't have any batteries. <laughs> Why don't you have batteries? I don't... You're, everything runs on batteries. I know I don't have any. I, so I don't know. My strings are bad. And also, we're in the valley where there's a 7-Eleven, like, three feet away. Go get batteries. We're in a 7-Eleven right now. <laughs> but I haven't opened my guitar case in three months, so I don't know anything about it. <laughs> we've, we've cracked it. The actual issue. <laughs> So, but there's a. F- I, I like being this person now, so I apologize to both of you. That's our George. We are the number one rock stars on 45. <laughs> that's called a callback and a call forward. Professional broadcasting. Yeah, that's right. We are the Gitmo Bros on episode 45 here. And we are stars. You know, the stars have a line. We've got a North Star. So come on, we got it all. We're all made of stars. <laughs> Some of us more than others. Let's be honest. The heavy metal um, tribute to help Africa. We are stars. Hearing aid. <laughs> Hearing aid. Hearing aid. That's it. See, get it? Jesus because Christ. it hurts your ears so bad. We are stars. What asshole. For, very fucking, uh, fucking Bobby Blotzer came up with that. And we all want to touch <laughs> rainbow. <laughs> uh. Uh, all right so what do you know here i am with my gitmo bros and uh why don't we check in with the fellow they call the what do they call you the media darling of ear and loathing say hello hi i'm george white and i just realized that episode 45 this was our parents generation we would be having a bypass surgery for having martinis and smoking three packs of three packs a day of lucky strikes. We'd be 45, we'd be old. We'd be <laughs> not we'd so be lucky after all. And not so lucky after all. They'd be they'd be in surgery and the doctor would be smoking while he's performing the Oh, totally the procedure. hanging out of his mouth, like just hanging out of the yeah. side of his mouth. Uh, this guy's this guy didn't eat right. <laughs> Too much chicken Alfredo. <laughs> all right. And calling in. From the North Star. He's my North Star. He's George's North Star, and he's every unhealthy doctor's North Star. <laughs> Why don't you say hello? Baringa! They might be shooting down UFOs, but no one can take down the Gitmo Bros. <laughs> yes! <laughs> hey, hey, dudes. Yeah, they've tried. Yeah. Weather balloon, schmether balloon. Believe me, they tried. We've had the government hot on our trail, but uh, they'll never catch us. Yeah, we're on the blacklist. Yeah, you were blacklisted from working again because you were uh, or had been associated. Yeah. You went to a party once. You're just trying to make, meet some chicks and get laid, like some hippie chicks or something. At late 50s, you know, um, beat poetry. Yeah, I, you, you heard chicks. those those commie broads put out. Yeah, exactly. Hey, George, you, George. You, yeah, speaking of which, your boy Reagan, he ratted on a bunch of people. How do you figure about that, huh? He did. My boy, wait a minute. He <laughs> was my boy back in 84. Let's hold on. Let's like saying it. <laughs> uh, Getting blamed for this. Hold on. Well, 
we're not necessarily a political show, but we do have insights. <laughs> That's right. Insights into <laughs> 80s politics. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I got to go. I, I have to do another podcast for Young Americans for Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's called America Was Better Before. <laughs> I have a John Birch uh, meeting to go to, guys. Sorry. <laughs> You're the treasurer for the John Birch, right? Treasurer for the John Birch Society. That's what uh, I understand. 1984 Chairman Emeritus. <laughs> <laughs> they thought it was strange to to trust someone so young with so much money, but they took one look at your punum and they said, fuck it, dude. Look at this. Look at this kid. You got to give it to him. He's like the Alex P. Keaton of our group. <laughs> Look at that knit tie. Fuck. <laughs> With topsiders. What, what a look. What a look. <laughs> All right. Well, here we are. And guess who's in the TC today? ADB. Aaron is going to get tortured by me and George. Oh, boy. Uh, but before that, uh, speaking of, you know, liberal socialists, there's a guy here who's a little bit greasy. It's a little bit, <laughs> a little it's bit greasy. Greasy. <laughs> and uh, he he liked to uh, sort of you know open the door and let Aaron in to do his magic. But uh, let's let's check in with him and see you know if he has any thoughts about politics or anything. Uh, what do you say, Clem? Hi there. Welcome to Kibitz Corner. Hmm. Never hmm. looked at it that way. It good good me point. So much. So much for Southern, just you know, when my my dad would say this, and it's for the only time you're ever going to hear slick, you know, in a bad way, where if you talk about Bill Clinton or someone or someone that's greasy, and yeah. you go, he's slick, <laughs> <laughs> and it means he's bad, and it means he's bad. Right. Yeah, yeah, slick Willie wasn't an awesome thing to say about him. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> slick. <laughs> Clem is slick, and he, he is slick. And he's turned it over to Aaron and, and is now allowing him to take over the show. Clem, Clem is slick with oil because it's the wintertime. And so that it keeps him it keeps him warm when he's out scooping up catfish with his bare hands <laughs> yeah, right. in the creek. Like a hole fishing? What's that called? <laughs> yeah, hand yeah, fishing? Yeah, yeah, Hillbilly right. hand fishing. <laughs> yeah. You reach it's down a something. hole and grab yeah. up a fill. You come up with a, by a, a catfish by the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go grab me breakfast. It's called like larking or some fuck. What the fuck? Noodling or something. Yeah, Noodling. I think that's it. You grab <laughs> under, They're in the mud. You just grab down to you feel his mouth and then pull on it. <laughs> oh, fuck, that's gross. Oh my <laughs> Terrible. God. And then oh. in the end, it's a fucking catfish. Gross. Right. I have a quick story about that. My A friend of mine, Larry was from uh, Indiana, but kind of rural Indiana, mm-hmm. and his and his buddy Marlon was coming to visit him in the big city of Los Angeles. Why it sounded like Clem sort of entered the room for a second there, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, yeah. we were making fun of Larry, you know, the entire time, even before Marlon was going to show up, calling him a hillbilly constantly. And uh, and so Marlon shows up, and we're kind of standing around having a couple beers. And Mar- Marlon says to this group of Los Angeles guys and Larry, he goes, Larry, why don't you tell him about the times that we used to go shining for coon? Oh, God <laughs> damn it. And we, we, we all just look over at Larry, all excited, like, what is this? And Larry's head just drops. <laughs> yeah, tell us, Larry. He's knows about to be exposed. Now, it's not what you think it is. It was no, actually no. for raccoons. Raccoons, yes, right. And it was, do you know, from your hillbilly past, George, do you know what shining for coon is? I don't. I do not it's know. Right where you is. use a flashlight, it brightens their eyes, and you know where they are. 
My, the version I heard is they would shine their headlights into the forest, and then right. you would see their their eyes and shoot them out of the trees, <laughs> and I guess sell their pelts or something. Oh, <laughs> and this wasn't it. in like 1850. <laughs> this was like in 1989. They would do it. <laughs> oh yeah, it was yeah. Nothing changed much from 1969. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, sorry to interrupt the uh, kibitz corner. Please proceed. Yes, uh, the kibitz corner. So I was thinking, uh, thinking of classic, all things classic. Things that blew minds, uh, things that you know were essentially the same uh, age, the three of us, uh, basically, and and so we turned on to things mostly at the same time. And um, it's the 45th anniversary of uh, Van Halen one this year, right, so that's right, yeah. massive game changing thing, life changing thing. Yeah. Um, and so in that spirit, I was thinking like, what was I started thinking about? What was the first movie that? completely blew my mind and then i had some sort of like caveats to it and i'm going to pass over star wars and i'm going to pass over empire strikes back and i have a reason for that so clearly they did but the movie that really did it for me was uh raiders raiders of the lost ark uh a year later so it was in 81 completely changed my way of thinking and it's probably because i was a little bit older i could get it together a little bit i was more in charge of i was a little bit older so i could go like two movies on my own like by walking there like i didn't need anybody's help to do it i mean it was only 10 but like i still <laughs> made it you know 10's big difference than fucking six you know like when star wars came out uh and so and also like it was i was hip to the fact in raiders that I'd never seen a movie like that before. It was fucking action from jump. But also the time it took off of that was completely compelling. And, and you know, the like the love story was great. Karen Allen is fucking amazing. And she was game. She was not in Indiana's way. <laughs> you know, if you want to put it from like from an action perspective, she was in the mix, you know, and 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 was only an asset as far as the action movie was concerned. And it like covered, I was already interested in the war at that time. And so it was covered a lot of ground that was important to me. The music was incredible. And so like all the way around. And as a result, I saw it, I don't know, like by the time that first year ended, I probably saw it in the movie theater like 25 times. Like, <laughs> Jeez. With wow. ease, I would say. With ease, I would say that. It was like, I was completely wrapped up in it. And uh, it changed, like I still... There are things that if I'm being honest with myself, there's things that I will do with like my jaw that are <laughs> directly <laughs> imitated, <laughs> imitating Harrison Ford. <laughs> like it's fucking weird. Like I'll catch myself and go, oh, there's that. <laughs> yeah. God damn it's it. It's an imprint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's, a, there's a particular thing I do with my face that he did uh, in Blade Runner. So like they're, they're, it really lo locked on to me. I don't know that I've ever come across anything like that before. I mean, and I was the perfect fucking age for it and had the right amount of experience, which is not much, but just enough. I was already interested in girls. So like, I was like, this looks, this is, this looks pretty good. He's cool. I'll bet that he scores, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I was already thinking about stuff like that. And, and so then I started to think that like, all right, well, so that's mine, like running away. That's mine. Now it's not my favorite movie of all time, but it's probably my second favorite movie of all time. My favorite movie of all time is the right stuff, but it's for different, more mature reasons. This changed my life, uh, yeah. Raiders. Yeah. And so, you know what I mean? Like it was a fucker to me. 
I, I know what you're saying because I won't eat dates now without having a monkey try it first. <laughs> it's just smart. <laughs> <laughs> They're prob- they might be bad. You just never know. Nope, you never know. And also, if, if that if if said monkey's wearing a vest, <laughs> he's probably working for the other side, and you know, let the fucker die. Yeah, you know? stay wary of that monkey. Yeah, if he has so a pocket like, watch, really don't trust him. <laughs> Any salutes? Fuck. Yeah, no. The, no. If, all the information was right there. <laughs> no. Um, so, like, that's mine. Like, running away with it, and those are my reasons. And uh, I was curious, like, what your f- I've had time to think about it, obviously. And I mean, it's one thing to say, like, this is my favorite movie, but like, I'm interested in hearing some of the reasons that I had for that from you guys, and and why. So, you, which one of you wants to start? You want to start? Uh, I have a couple of questions. Yeah, I yeah, do too. Yeah, actually, please. yeah, go yeah. for it. You go ahead, Damon. Well, just the the context of this question. Um, so you said. What, what about, in other words, why didn't you include the right stuff in this as well? Because what is the, what is the, the, the category that was, that, that was is, two the, years later? It was, it, it changed my, it, it, it's the first movie that changed. Oh, you're talking my about movie. the earliest. He was version. unimpressionable that, at the time he saw okay, Raiders. Got it. Got yeah, it. Got yeah, it. It's the yeah. first thing that changed my, like it, it, it was like as rad as Star Wars was, as fucked up as it was, it was still fantastical and it was sci fi and it was pew pew. Like it was rad, but. This was more, I think because it maybe it connected with me. I was just a little bit older and it was more grounded. I mean, if you want to call Raiders grounded, but like compared to a space opera, it is. Totally. Yes. Absolutely. You know? in, the, in the real world, at least. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, not as I understand it, but like clearly it is. Well, I mean, and Nazis and Darth Vader, yeah. Nazis are real, Darth Vader is not. Although kind of the same thing. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So like, it was like, yeah. oh, right. I get it. And like, it was all fascinating. Like I immediately was... I, I, as a little kid, I read a lot about like Greek mythology and stuff like that. And so I was, I was keen to hear about and think about Egyptian stuff and all that stuff. I was all locked in and perfect timing for me. Mm-hmm. And it was as if it was made for me, um, at the time. And that's how I sort of felt about it. And Star Wars didn't strike me that way because I was just too young. Right. And then Empire was great too. But again, it was fantastical and it seemed silly and Raiders wasn't silly at all to me well, one one involved like space travel and stuff but you could yeah. you could sort of imagine yourself being indiana jones yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i did yeah. i i do <laughs> you, you, you can buy a whip you can't buy a laser gun yeah no i mean not you know you can you know at certain markets you can, they'll sell you one <laughs> right right yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work but yeah and the dark yeah, web you go to the dark web you get a laser gun everyone knows that yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just I don't know if our listeners knew this, but we're super popular on the dark web. <laughs> yeah, Way wrapped oh, yeah. up. Like really, Huge. I would say most of our fans are on the dark web. <laughs> that's why. That's why I didn't put it together. Um, you know, it, it, and I didn't. Uh, you know, those are the reasons. Yeah, that's the reason for that. Um, the question I had was uh, with regards to your face and the way you hold it. Um, and and Harrison Ford. Does Kurt Russell know anything about this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, and by the way, I mean, if you told me a guy's coming in with a Kurt Russell face that has a Harrison Ford impressions on his face, does Harrison? Ford, I would go. Let's give him an Academy Award now. Let's just give it to him. <laughs> he was my earliest fascination as an actor, like Harrison Ford. I was all about it, and uh, you know, everybody, most kids. I knew, and here's the other thing too, like it's a weirder sort of more kid thought process thing that like Han was easily the coolest guy to me in Star Wars. Yeah. 
but it was still goofy and Luke was a knob and like th- those things were true to me and I and I I was totally caught up in it but it didn't it wasn't just like collecting my very soul up in its hands and 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 you know and and celebrating but like with him we both had brown hair we we both <laughs> we both you know like I could have been a young him like I I believed that to me like I could have right. been his son like I believed that no one ever said that no one ever believed it. I did though. <laughs> That's all that was important. You know what I mean? Like right. so, like it really fucking connected, like like crazy. Is it safe to say that you were jonesing for Indiana? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Not only is it safe to say, but it's a requirement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it meant it meant so much to me, and it fucking still does. Like in like out every year, like it with the same frequency that I'll watch. I'll watch two thousand and one three times a year. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll still watch Raiders three to four times a year. Uh, Are they making a new one soon? Yeah, the new one's okay. about to come out. Okay, and right. like, and and I think that the yeah. others succeed in their way, but like, it's it's truly the first one. So this and is there's four now. This will be the fourth or the fifth one is coming out. Fifth, jeez, yeah, okay. And I was down. I'm down with all of them. Uh, the one prior to this one was was had its problems, but it's still fucking him. So to me, yeah. like, it really doesn't fucking matter because it's. It's Indiana Jones, you know? So, like, I, okay, I'm in. I don't I don't care. Um, I'm just as happy to see Spielberg out of it, frankly, for this new one. Uh, this new dude, uh, you know, he did – he's done some uh, more uh, more sort of gnarly stuff that I think Indiana Jones could use a bit gnarlying up. So, mm-hmm. hopefully, that's the way yeah. it goes. Yeah. Um, you know, if Logan is any is any indication, and I believe that this is gonna this will only benefit from that. So I have some concerns. Sure, <laughs> as any but, fan you know, would. But it's all good because I just go back to Raiders, baby. Raiders ain't going anywhere. So <laughs> it's not like, so that's where I'm coming from. Is that right? That, no, no, no. It was it was eighty one. Eighty one, yeah. Eighty one was the first Raiders. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on the opposite end of that where I've seen it once and I liked it, but I don't it has no resonance with me. Yeah. It was Star it was Wars has much more resonance, yeah, than than Raiders. It did. was your because, uh, you, and that's exactly that's almost exactly the our age different, George. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's it, it makes sense absolutely to me that that would be that way for you. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not like Star Wars didn't fucking change the game entirely for me, but like I had no game. There was no. I didn't understand the game was what was right. happening. Yeah. Yeah. It was just impressive, and it was a bunch of colors and 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 you know. You were seven, right? I was six when that came out. Yeah, I was eleven. May, so, yeah, right. Yeah. May of seventy-seven. When Aaron was was walking to the theater to see Raiders for the fifteenth time, George drove by him on the way to the club. Yeah, I was at a club. I was at a club, guys. Eleven Fuck years you! old. I was at a club. Baby, <laughs> what? Get a job. No, I just, I'm just, I'm just telling, I'm telling, uh, just driving past. He dies in the end. <laughs> the whole. <laughs> I remember doing that once at like Star it's at Star Trek three or whatever, driving down the entire line in Santa Barbara of people waiting in line and yelling, Spock dies in the end, Spock dies in the end. <laughs> yeah, so like that's mine. That's mine. Who yeah. wants to go next? Mm. You go ahead, Damon. Okay. I'm trying to think like what movies I saw at that age that affected me. Because obviously that's the question. But yes. um but uh I feel like I saw a lot of stuff that ended up pretty quickly on HBO, mm-hmm. you know, and they just constantly played them. So I saw, I saw them a lot. Like on TV. On TV. Select. Select. Yeah, on TV, select the movie TV. channel. <laughs> yeah. Skinamax. 
Mexican. Yes, yes, sure. <laughs> Out here, we had the Z channel too. I had friends who had the Z channel. Z, right? Did you? Did your guys? Uh, did any of your neighbors or dad's neighborhood build a pirate box he got from a guy at work, <laughs> where yeah. he could get all the channels for free? You know. <laughs> Yeah, there's no doubt that some of the weirdos we hung out with in the valley had something like that. Yeah, pirate box. It was a big thing with us because everyone's dad was an engineer from Lockheed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when they weren't working on, on the SR-71s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, SR, the brakes for the SR-71. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly right. Blackbird. I seem to remember being most emotionally affected as a young kid and not in a good way, just in a stupid because I was a kid way. Like bad – horror movies right oh. like the 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 remake the donald sutherland version of of invasion of the body snatchers oh yeah that's right still, yeah. that's still that's a good movie though that's a good movie and it's I mean, it's it's got a it's 70s as hell but like it's it's very it's creepy in a, in a yeah and in, in it's in an effective way mm-hmm. and and some of those and sometimes I'd, I'd go see like i remember i used to subscribe or i would buy them at the at the drugstore or something the like monster magazines Right. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. And so then I would see these movies that were coming out, and I would ask my dad to go see them, and they inevitably scared the shit out of me. Even though, as an adult, I don't give two fucks about about horror movies. I don't care. I don't want. I don't ever want to see them really, just because they're boring to me. But as a kid, I was really into them, and then regretted the second I was there because it freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was, but uh, yeah, anything with like vampires, and it, even because back then you would see reruns of like really stupid hammer christopher lee movies and stuff about mm-hmm. dracula and everything they suck they're horrible there's one good thing about the hammer movies uh that's the titties oh yeah that, and that, that's a good thing about really any movie <laughs> at that age particularly <laughs> yeah there's boku that would have been the boobies. one thing that improved in uh indiana jones was with some boobs more cans right with, the, uh, with, with karen allen who's the uh who's the spielberg you know type like uh, they're all like Deborah Winger, they're yeah, all the right. same girl. They're all like Edie Brickell, you know. Like, <laughs> well, it's, and, the, uh, it's the Amy Irving. Amy uh, Irving, right? Option, Amy Irving, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's why she didn't work after a certain point. I don't know anything about that, George. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, that's a yeah, that's a it's Hollywood folklore. <laughs> Whoa, <Uh-oh. laughs> you're speaking into a microphone, right? <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I know everyone's listening. I know. All right. Well, <laughs> that's why we're on the dark web. Yeah, that's, why, that's why, because you can say all your Spielberg, all your Spielberg talk. Hey, you're the one that said you were glad he wasn't directing the new Raiders. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that out on the street, though. I have. Oh uh, wait, you guys. In, in, wait, wait. Oh wait, I just got served uh, cease and desist by Spielberg's people. Okay. <laughs> Spielberg's people. <laughs> Shut up and watch the Fablemans. <laughs> when I met you four or five years later in in September of '85. I uh, we saw a lot of movies together, you and I, Damon, and I mm-hmm. never once I rec- I would never have said you to thought of you to be a uh, horror fan. I did, I don't know that it came up uh, ever once. Well, they again they were just shitty movies that you would see on on week like on on the Saturday daytime matinee or something. You know, right. it wasn't. I don't. I guess I don't remember. I went to. I saw Grease. I saw Star Wars. I saw the, a lot of movies. You know, Close Encounters and everything. But I just don't remember it, movies being a huge part of my life, right? You know, mm. um, so I get. I guess I'm going to say like TV shows probably affected me more, like the sure. Twilight Zone and stuff like that. Because you know, mm, yeah. as as yeah. a kid, you know, I know I know I'm taking diversion from your original question, but like, yeah, as a kid, like Twilight Zone was like so deep and scary. Even like the just the you know existential ones or something were really freaky. 
Right. It forces your head to go. I mean, especially because we they were built for adults. But when we saw them as reruns as kids, it was asking our brain to do adult things and think of things in like the way the Star Trek did uh, a lot, where it was like, yeah, but it's really about communism, you know, or right. Whatever. Exactly. Racism, half black, yeah. half white face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And so it's pretty great. And like and, it, and, it, and it's alarming when it happens. You go, oh, geez. Yeah, like the the, the obviously the <laughs> famous time enough at last, you know, where Burgess right. Meredith is in the bank vault, and then you, you guys know the punchline of that one, right? Right. Where he, you know, he finally can read all his books, but then he breaks his glasses, and as a kid, you go, "Oh my God, he's got to spend the rest of his life he can't." And I'm like, "Well, or you could walk around until you find more glasses." <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> yeah, you've got nothing but time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Damon, you felt the same way. You were you were equally as aghast when. Uh, Freddie rerun uh, Stubbs, uh, it was exposed as, as a bootlegger. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, same the, alarm. Oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. When the, the Doobie Brothers come, anxiety. In to, come into Rob's place to bust him. Yeah. <laughs> the Doobies have all kinds of time on their hand on the they road. They do. And, and, and what's this skunk Baxter is limping with his cane? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely bootlegging. And, 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 re- and rerun tries to go out the back, but there, there's mm-hmm. more Doobies in the back. <laughs> how come I don't have a t-shirt for Rob's place? That's something that I oh should God, be looking yeah. up. Oh, anyway, boy. so like, so the TV shows, cause it's really the same kind of thing. Like that was, that was your, holy shit. And you think that way, Damon, like I, that makes sense to me about your brain that it would be twilight zone and stuff like that. That was more of the movement for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You want to be scared. There's, there's a lot of deep shit there, uh, Damon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also, I, but yeah. you're smart. You're smart. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's it's there's all there's also a lot of funny stuff in Twilight Zone yeah. stuff. There was sort of real dark humor, and you traffic in that. You know, so like it makes sense to me hmm? more than something some fruity movie. <laughs> fruity. <laughs> Aaron said enough nice things about me. Now it's your turn, George. Now you say nice things about me. Now you say some nice things. Hey, <laughs> enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead, George, because maybe I'll think of a, of, a, of a movie that meant something. <laughs> sure. There, there was a there was a couple. Of the, it's interesting topic, Aaron. I uh, there's a couple of things that came to mind, and I was I was I was taking the movies, adult movies, much too early in my life. Right. Um, and the first one I can think of is um, The Last Detail. With, yeah, that's talk about an yeah, adult movie, yeah. Drop your socks and grab your cocks, we're going to a party. <laughs> and I, I loved, and I think what I fell in love with with movies mostly during that time was the adult nature of it, that it was somewhere maybe I shouldn't be. Right. And that I was seeing a thing and hearing language like that and like MASH, and I saw the original version of MASH, and I felt that way about it. And even well, you and I were only children, and so we were at we were always keen to be part of the conversation, whatever right. it was. And so, if, and better, yep. better still, if it was an adult conversation, right? And and also the movie dates with our moms, like can't stop the music, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and but the one that really the one that probably resonates with me the most is uh, Patton. That's the yeah. one that really resonates with me the most. Um, I. I watched it. My my uncle, because he was a rich guy, had a you know a Betamax before anyone, and there weren't that many tapes that he that he had. So I, when I when I go to his house for you know his house in San Marino near yours, Damon, mm. um, I would I think of that a lot when I'm driving on Lake Street to get to your house. Um, that that uh, I would I would often you know I when I get t- when I got tired of the adult conversation and stuff and. And I couldn't drink, and everybody else was drinking. There was a certain point where everybody was kind of boozed up, and I wasn't. And I'm <laughs> like, huh. And so <laughs> this is silly now. And I'd go, 
into his den, shut all the doors, and I'd watch Patton. And I watched it so many times like you did, Aaron, where I know it by heart and everything. And right. I loved it so much. I loved George C. Scott. And, um, and even my ideas of what leadership should be and what a leader looked like was right, right. fashioned on that of who he was. And, and later on when I uh, became interested in World War II and, you know, and all that. Um, and it's I scary only, when he slaps the guy around. Like for, for, a young, for a young kid, that's a little alarming, like to see, a, a, a man breaking down because he's afraid or he's, you know, has PTSD that knew, no one knew what was going on about. Right. And then for him to go in on him the way he does, it's, it's alarming. I, I, I agreed with Pat, and I'm like, yeah, get him out in the fucking field. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to say from a San Marino screening exactly room. Exactly right. <laughs> San Marino screening room. Your uncle's, yeah, uncle, uncle's. Get uh, up, pussy. Uncle's den in his uh, palatial mansion. <laughs> we'll cut two holes in your ears so that you can. Where's your helmet? <laughs> I don't wear it while I'm, uh, we'll cut two holes in your head so you can. <laughs> but I just love I that like, performance like and everything. I just, that, that's probably the one that was the first movie that I watched a lot of over and over again. And there were so many later, but um, I think that's the first one was Patton. I thought of one, Aaron. What's that? It was, and, and I probably was the right age to be gobsmacked by it. Because um, it was the first time, you guys know exactly what I'm about to say, it was the first time they took a superhero seriously. Oh, Superman. The, yeah, <laughs> the first Superman, of course. Yeah. Superman. Yeah, Superman was a fucker, dude. It was so gnarly. Like, I totally bought it. He's, he's yeah. fine. Yeah, I said I would believe it, and I fucking did. I don't think I could watch it now. It's It's got some iconic moments, of course. But it, those movies are kind of crappy. But but at the time, they were still miles ahead of anything else. Even like I was a huge Batman fan as a kid. But even I thought those yeah. the TV show was dumb. Oh my <laughs> I, god! With that the Batuzi and uh, just yeah yeah yeah. So I I was to see Superman actually being taken seriously. Um, right. Was that was pretty wild for my little superhero loving brain. And it's also like it's this it's a sci fi movie in the beginning sort of radley and then it becomes like a john ford western in the middle in in smallville mm. with glenn ford and shit and right. then it's then it's a big city fucking new york movie yeah you know, it's fucking rad it's and it's like and it's not super long <laughs> but it feels <laughs> it's immense like the scope of it is in, it, it's just nuts i i I saw that, but so 1980. When is that? 77. Yeah, 77, 78. 77. That that. Jeez, because that's I didn't know it was that that old. Yes, Superman was a motherfucker, dude. And yeah. It was a, it was a big it was a big deal, but like I don't. I mean, of course you got Valerie. You know. Oh yeah, you're. That was, oh, Perrine's in that, isn't she? It was a big fucking deal. I was coming on line. Oh yeah. <laughs> For Perrine. Online yeah. for Perrine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still online for Perrine. Oh, yeah. By the way, speaking of which, I'm going to pour a fucking big one out to my my, my mainstay of the 70s. Yeah. Raquel. It's brutal. Yeah. Boy. Brutal. Like, yeah. she's just obscene knockout. And, yeah. you know, seemed like a, a nice gal, too, which is great. But and like, keeping it together into her 80s, too. For real. Like, in yeah. the Sophia Loren, yeah. like, in her yeah. 70s, yep. like, being like a, whoa, whoa. Like, whoa, how you doing? Right. <laughs> That's because she had that Latin blood, baby. And Sophia, obviously, uh, Italiana. Yeah. Yeah, right, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, God bless Raquel. Uh Anyways, so yeah, I mean, the, the, that's 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 a very good indicators of where we were coming from, and some pretty big, iconic 
uh, movies of that time of the like 70s and like I, I almost consider Raiders like just the end of the 70s, but it began what mm. the 80s were all about, you know. True. Um, yeah, it did. And that was the that because it, it so that's the one where Spielberg and Lucas are on it together. It was George's idea, yeah. and, and he and they, he wants yeah. Spielberg wanted to make yeah that's what it was. Spielberg yeah. had Jaws. Uh, right. And had so much success that he wanted to do a Bond movie. They wouldn't let him. Right. And so Lucas said, I can beat that. And they he pitched him the idea of Raiders. And then we, we actually just started diving back into our, our DVD collection of Magnum P.I., and uh, we were talking about, and I didn't remember the exact timeline of, of how yeah, Tom Selleck was going to be Indiana Jones. It, it yeah. wasn't like Tom Selleck had been cast and then something happened. Well, no, they were going to make him do that. But like, and he was, he was totally into it. And that's what, cause Lucas, I, I mean, so I, Lucas does an awful lot of like, well, what I meant was, you know, eh, <laughs> yeah. here's what I meant to say. But like at the time, apparently he was like, you know, I have no problem with not, using Harrison as great as he would be, but because I, I don't want to be like, oh, I use Harrison for everything I am involved in. Because he'd used him for American Graffiti already. He mm. was... Star Wars, cur- of course. He had done Star Wars and Empire, and, you know, it was no skin off his nose to use Thomas, but he couldn't get out of... Uh, you know, it was better for everyone. It was the TV producers c- wouldn't let him out, right? Right, right, right. And then they ended up... Then there was some weird thing where they, like, had a, a TV writer strike or something, and he could have done it anyway. <laughs> Right, right. That's After the story. The, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And, Tommy. And I think the bigger question is, though, if, if that happens, is Aaron Britt sitting here today with a mustache? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Did you still fixate upon, is your whole life different? Well, I because, love, well the thing is, yeah. is that I, it would have robbed us and the world of, of, more, of more Thomas, because he wouldn't, had he been able to bounce, he would have bounced, and then he would have had so much power, he could have yeah. done it. He could have told them to shove it, and... Magnum is a great fucking show, and and I I love Thomas. So if Tom Selleck had been cast as Indiana Jones, Aaron would now be walking around with his shirts tucked into his up to his <laughs> chest, like, like Tom, Thomas Magnum, totally into guns, like down with the NRA. <laughs> right now, Aaron would be telling us like, "Look, guys, I got to get out of here. Blue Bloods is on. <laughs> Listen, guys, I got to wrap this up by eight thirty. You know, because back when I watched any kind of TV, there was always ads for Blue Bloods. Like I've never seen an episode, but there's always ads. And they're always, and I, I leaned over to my wife and say, they ought to call this show meals. They're always just around a meal. Right, right. <laughs> right. Well, He's throwing a fork down because someone's mad. Right. They're, at the, they're having a meal. What? You're going to take the MacArthur case? <laughs> <laughs> so, right. uh, anyway, Wahlberg, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's entertaining. I, I'm glad to hear all that from you guys. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's shaped, it shaped us such as, such as we are. All right. Um, bef- before we start the, the next portion of our thing, I know I've messed up the show so much now, but why not more? <laughs> well, so, before you do, I mean, I don't think anyone can do anything until we find out if Aaron has oh actually my God. been fulfilled You're by right. the responses. Even though I, I you know, kind of sputtered for a second there, I came roaring back with my Superman uh, answer. <laughs> so do you feel fulfilled by the discussion this, this evening? No. I, I know that I am. And I know that I found my answer. I have my answer. <laughs> I have oh, my answer. So, Aaron, sorry that George and I didn't have more to say about some, you know, movies that were important to to us. But, you know, 
unfortunately, you know where you got to go. Yeah, no, that's the way it is. I mean, it has to has to come somewhere, and for some of us, it's it's now, and that that somewhere is now. <laughs> somewhere is now, and that someone is you. <laughs> somewhere is now. Someone is what? you. <laughs> the first half doesn't make any sense. Fuck it. Well, I think we should walk down these these creepy stairs and maybe bring some flashlights so we can shine for Coon while we're down there. Oh God, damn it! <laughs> Let's go. That's so upsetting. <laughs> Torture chain. Okay, I'm not gonna bullshit you, okay? I don't really give a good fuck what you know or don't know. But I'm gonna torture you anyway. Suffering. Anger. Pain. Torture. Well, well, well. Here we are in the torture chamber. Of young Aaron. Well, well, and well. the math as I know it is last episode, I went second with the Stars on 45 medley. Mm, you did. Which means, <laughs> uh, George, I will be going first today. Okay. And I would like to take you boys back to a little year that we call 1976. Mm. <laughs> and this, I was trying to come up with a department for this. You know what? I'm just going to throw this out there, and then it'll make sense later. From the this is from the Puff the Magic Pedophile Department, <laughs> and uh, that will we'll all come together. So, <laughs> sorry, is it is it is this the Melly Puff the Magic Pedophile lived by the school? <laughs> <laughs> and when the little girls walk by, Puff would start to drool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank I'm glad you. you went there with it, Damon. There's a couple other places I thought you were going with. It. Yeah. yeah. Tool. Keeping us squarely <laughs> ensconced in the dark web. <laughs> well. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Okay. Um, let's get. Let's go to 1976, and I'll I'll uh, fill you in, and you guys let me know if you know this one. Here we go. I do know this. What is this? I've heard it recently. <laughs> this what woman is, is uh, obviously she's she's going to be revealing something right now. She has to say what's on her mind, oh, even oh, though she oh, knows it's Oh, now hurt. I know. I almost okay, don't chose blow, this. Don't blow it yet. Is Let's she see. going to reveal that she's turned into a flute? She sounds just like a flute. She sounds like the the, the, sp- the breath space right over the hole. The, the, thing, the thing in the the thing in the in you know in the in the that guy's pocket in um in uh what's HR what's the, Puffin stuff. HR Puffin yeah. stuff. The little Freddie the flute in his pocket. She's a little flute. <laughs> I don't know if it's a if it's a flute, but I I can say oh. safely that it's two skin flutes. She might oh, be talking God. about. Oh. I I heard this song oh. the other day, like on yacht rock or something. Oh, and did I you? Almost chose it. Yep. <laughs> Oh my God! It's it's. Here, here we go. Let's see if Aaron can pick this one up. When you hear the chorus, you will. Oh yeah. <laughs> Before I say another word, let me tell you I love you. Let me hold you close and say these words as gently as I can. Yeah, when she, when she prefaces her little speech with "I just want to make sure that you know I love you," it, it, it it's not going to end well. Yeah, it's like somebody starting off with like. Look, all due respect. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Here we go. 
All right, she's she's got she's got more splaining to do here. Oh boy. <laughs> He's he's pulling his collar right now, like Roddy Dangerfield. <laughs> has your has your man had a few drinks? Because I would not hold him close. I would take a few steps back from him. <laughs> no, especially a seventies man, dude. Seventies yeah, man, exactly. Yeah. Just been with drinking, the button chops and the fucking yeah. mustache, drinking and... shitty beer. Yeah, they had a whole different set of protocols back then. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. But that doesn't mean. I love you, Oh, thanks. Thanks. Thanks a million. <laughs> <laughs> and, and don't think because you're couching it in this flute voice and this soft thing that it makes it any worse than something I've done. It makes it better than what I've done. Like, <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a gentle t- talking to a, <laughs> to Listen, a guy honey, who's about to um... <laughs> jump out of a window. Because the guy's going to cut right through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we go. And he knows he can't possess me. And he knows he never will. I wasn't really wondering about his take on the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling you, he's not, you know, he's not a problem here. Yeah, his feelings haven't come into my mounting anxiety. <laughs> so t- so pay attention to this this line uh, yeah. as we head yeah. into the chorus because I yeah. I've got something for you. It's just this empty place. Did you get that? <laughs> this guy, Tom Brehan on Stereo Gum, had the best line. He was talking about this song, and he and he goes, the the line, um, there's a empty space in me that only he can fill, and Tom says that doesn't necessarily mean that the other guy has a big dick, but it sure sounds like it means that the other guy has a big dick. <laughs> So I hope you're talking about your heart. <laughs> <laughs> and as we blast into the chorus. Torn between two lovers, <laughs> feeling like a fool. Loving both of you is breaking all the rules. All right, Aaron, you know this song. Torn between two lovers. Yeah, who, it, who is this? This is Mary McGregor. Right. And is everybody fucking vaguely Scottish? Is yeah. You're a chick singer <laughs> in the seventies. And it's weird too because I had the same experience where I didn't know if you had this right now, Aaron. But I, I listened to the first that the whole chorus, the whole so the whole uh, verse there, which is pretty long. And she draws it out with the story. Yeah, she doubles and then the there. chorus comes. And you're like, oh, I know this song. But the verse, I had no idea. It sounds like every other song of this type. Right. This could be. Yeah. This could be the. Uh, you know, what was the one about the uh, the, the I've, I've been undressed by kings and everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Or the carpenters or anything. Or right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And you can imagine the video is just like sun bleached as fuck, and it's just like some chick wandering next to the Washington Monument. Drive the point home. (laughs) The Twin Towers. (laughs) I did did wonder this. I wondered if, like, um, if during that time, because when I listened to this, I thought, is is someone thinking like this is a story of women's empowerment that they're that she's saying that you know, listen, I'm in the game too, you know, and I and I I I'm cheating on my husband, but is it a story of empowerment at all, or is it just horrible? When they give when they give (laughs) chicks when they give chicks this out. 
as a storyline or a plot yeah. point. I can't think of a time where she was ever like, and it's fucking rad. You know, I'm playing, I'm playing the game. Like some yeah. disco songs sort of intimate that that might yeah. be true. But those, I, I don't know that disco songs ever go like, and in, in addition to this man, I'm going to go with this man too. It was just, it would be like, I'm going to get some hot stuff tonight. Yeah. This evening. Right. Like, so that you don't know, like she might not be like with somebody currently. <laughs> she's just decided she's going to get hot stuff baby this right, evening. She's not breaking someone else's, like ruining a marriage just right. because she's going to get some hot right. stuff. Well, I was just thinking this too with this fucking broad with Mary McGregor. That yeah. okay, she he knows it's he, in her name. He, he, she's he can't, Mary. Yeah, she, you, you can't. Yeah, you go. She's a uh, she's. She knows you can't possess me. He knows he ever will. Then why did you ever start this? <laughs> it's all about you, isn't it? That's what you is say if you're the to, other guy. Uh, is she married to Trump? One. It's it yeah, appears yes, that way. Yes. Yes. Mm. Well, yeah. it's the seventies. The guy who's getting the speech, the husband, yeah. the the, yeah. the provider. The one she made the vow to, he's getting the speech. Meanwhile, the other guy's just getting all the all the punani. Yeah, yeah, and and none of the commitment, none of the. He doesn't right. have to hear that. He he knows he can't possess her. He knows it's just for fun. <laughs> apparently, she's talking about Larry from Three's Company, and he's like just this yutz from Sherman Oaks. <laughs> but she's boning this dude in Marina Del Rey. <laughs> right, yeah. Where's apartment. a better car and a cooler suit? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh God damn it! Not Richard Klein. Yeah, right. When she tells, when she tells, uh, you know, Larry, you know, you can't p- possess me. I could just imagine she's going, oh, what a bummer. Yeah, fucking I was, want to. Yeah. <laughs> Good news. I think I'll have another uh, Singapore sling. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 Murphy's problem. Yeah. Right. Fucking Sherman Oaks. <laughs> works at the batting cages or something. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, you cheat on your husband. Why would I want to damage goods? Uh, all right, getting to the chorus, and we got verse two coming up. Yeah. And she's singing it with, with like, zero energy. She, there's no emotion going on. It's the most flatline robotic delivery I've ever heard. It's a weird fucking thing, man. Like it's. I'll tell you what's occurring to me now, is that this speaks more of 70s misogyny truly because it's like if if we're going to do a song about a woman who's stepping out we've got to make her whisper thin like contrite (laughs) as fuck and like and really light like not aggressive not like and it's fucking good like none of that stuff but if and and if she's gonna be aggressive she's gonna be hot stuff baby this evening not running around on a dude like, I'm sure that there's exceptions to this, but like, by and large, it seems like if it's a woman who's doing it, she's got to be contrite. She can't be op- an operator, you know? Yeah. Right. That's what I was sort of getting at yeah, was the, yeah. the delivery of this and the way that she's. And But it, it, there's also a thing where she's kind of not at fault in this, where because no, yeah. women are more emotional beings, supposedly, that he fills a thing in my heart. And, you know, it, but you know no, what she means. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That no one ever can. When if, if I'm just out for my kicks for a one night stand, I'm an asshole. But you're filling right. your heart, so that's okay. Because you want it, you're, you're playing, and, and the dudes who wrote it or the dudes at the label are like, well, we got to have it be able to be played at the dentist office, you know. We can't be talking about <laughs> riding some dude in the back of a Chevy Nova, you know. We can't get gnarly. Have you ever tried reverse cowgirl? <laughs> In a Nova, I just, I just pictured, I just pictured this, you know, I just pictured her in the in the dentist chair with this, or a woman in the dentist chair with the fucking seventies hair and all that shit in her mouth, and she, and she starts, and she, this song's on, and she just starts crying and has to get up. 
<laughs> she realizes she's done this to her husband. <laughs> well, you guys are making a good point. I was going to say this for the second chorus. Yeah. But I'll just say it now because we, you sort of tapped into exactly what I figured out about this chorus, which the lines are torn between two lovers, feeling like a fool, loving both of you is breaking all the rules. And there's two things that she's not doing. A, feeling like a fool, or B, B breaking all the rules according to her. The rules don't apply to her. Nor does nor does she feel like a fool because she's telling this guy, "Hey, I'm boning this other guy." Just so you know, That's it's not like eyes. she's going. We should go to counseling. We should figure this out. This is my fault. She's just saying, "Well, I kind of set up this whole new st- set of rules that I'm now living by, and you got to kind of go along with it." You know, it's like a tone of contrition, though, like George was saying. So there's a tone because of the way she's singing it. There's no. It, it feels like she doesn't have a ton of agency, or she's like she's tiptoeing around it, but saying it. This is just the way it is. It's her. It's her story of how this is how right. this is going down. Where she's going to say that it's not. Um, well, it's, it's, she, she's not going to say, "Oh, this is just a casual hookup." It has to be about her heart and filling a space in it. Yeah, there's a right. there's a deeper meaning to this that you don't understand because of your cock and balls. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, it's fucking hot, hot stuff, baby. This evening, yeah, pretty well. Yes, is yeah. where she's coming from. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, all, all right. right, let's hear it verse two. Verse two. So she's about to, this is why it's implying they're married, because she's about to say something that's, you know, this, this fucking preoccupation with, look, we have a very sexual, sexualized culture right now, and I'm not a prude or anything, but the, it's so creepy, and, and as we said earlier, George, greasy. The, the, the way that they, they handle sex in the 70s and their songs and stuff, like Mac Davis and all these, it's just yeah. so gross. It's so, we're fucking kids having to listen to this shit. Yeah. yeah. So here we go with her, you know, talking about how, you know, implying that this guy's her husband. And all the things I ever said, I swear they still are true. For no one else can have the part of me I gave to you. <laughs> he goes, dynamite. Yeah, th- yeah. So, how basically, many parts are there now? Which part is I didn't <laughs> fill the part, Which, and what's the part yeah. that I'm not filling? That there's a lot of parts here. You gave me a part, but it's apparently there's another one. Or <laughs> fucking ball boy at the Sherman Oaks uh, uh, <laughs> batting cages is falls deep, and I, I'm I'm what I'm working for Mr. McCavendish uh, late again today. Larry so, Tate's coming over for dinner. <laughs> working for Mr. McCavendish down at the law office. You're right. Fuck. This sucks. <laughs> Yeah, so I think she's saying, like, all right, we, we exchanged vows, and I promised you all these things about how I'd always love you, which I, I do, and I also, you know, gave you my virginity because I was a virgin when we got married, mm-hmm. but now I have jungle fever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a product, it's a product, absolutely, of fucking, of the 70s, and, like, and why you just should never, <laughs> don't get married early, right? Yeah. Everybody's got to discover this, she's got to, you know... Susie flute voice needs to <laughs> sort it out a little bit more, you know. She needs to, you know, send her to a couple of years at Rutledge or something, you know. Get her out of get her out of town, you know. 
<laughs> Order a couple pizzas, you know. Mary McFlutie. <laughs> <laughs> Sling drinks down at the fucking at the Chuckle Hut, you know. Do something. Yeah, right. Yeah, get out get out there, you know. <laughs> Mary Puffin stuff. Yeah, you know. Have a threesome, see if you like it. You know what? Turn that flute into an oboe. I don't You're know. Right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Mercifully, the, sh- the the verses get shorter and shorter. We're down to about a right. minute left. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, because she's looking at this guy's face and going, "I can't get through my whole spiel. I got to just wrap this up and get the fuck out of here." Right. <laughs> I have fifteen seconds free back against me. <laughs> get out of my whore house, whore. <laughs> so um, I'll tell you a little bit more about the song and 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 Mary and stuff. And the the the, the key takeaway from this is the songwriter. And and uh, I want to save that for the end. Mm. But uh, here we go. Feeling like a fool, loving both of you is breaking all the rules. Torn between two lovers, feeling like a fool, loving you both is breaking <laughs> all. Now, which one of us is feeling like the fool, Mary? <laughs> Because I kind of feel like it's me. <laughs> well, also let's bring, let's just let's talk about this too. That it that you know it, the way she's delivering it is so flat and everything, like you yeah. said, and emotionless. But you know it, there 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 is always a thrill in breaking the rules, and she's admitting she's breaking the rules, and there has to be some some excitement there that she's not admitting to. Yeah. She's like she's like she's a victim of this that she's breaking all the rules and she has no control over what's in her heart and you know I don't I don't know where that where where's that line coming from? Um, I think it was just a lazy rhyme. <laughs> probably it probably is, but still the intent when you listen to it you have to consider the intent of that. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean they're trying to make this person who's narrating the song you know not be as unlikable as they yeah. are. I've broke the rules. Well, you yeah. did. And it's <laughs> making me feel bad. Yeah, right. Yeah, but she was like half of every 70s marriage, if not more, was ruined be- in this very way. Right. You know, ruined is subjective. I mean, it was going yeah. to happen anyway, so like yeah. ruined. Yeah. Uh, how how good was it? <laughs> and if, if somebody was stepping out, it was the fucking 70s, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and it was only like you're right. It's only going to be acceptable if it's if she's namby pamby with the verbiage and uh, and delivery. I mean, in in white suburbia to white suburban right. ears, it would be unacceptable. Yeah, Donna Summer can step out, but not this white lady. Right. <laughs> she can <laughs> get some hot twice. stuff, but not this white lady. <laughs> There's no indication that that this other fella's a fella. Maybe maybe our girl stepping out with Donna Summer. Oh, yeah, now we got a show. <laughs> that's the show referring to the other person she said he a couple she times. just wants he it to land visit. she just doesn't want it to land yeah. so hard no. on the on the, mm-hmm. on the on the homes i like where it's going with this <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm putting myself in homeboy shoes and i'd be like oh it's a she tell me oh, more hold on well, uh, batting cage now huh. slow down um does she like fondue because <laughs> we're not doing anything saturday night <laughs> what exactly does she do with the batting cage <laughs> Never seen a lady there. Dynamite. <laughs> Cheryl, the, the meat counter girl? You mean her? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. I couldn't really blame you if you 
turned and walked away. Oh, one thing you guys should know is this was recorded at Muscle Shoals with all really? those studio cats that are famous for all those wow. great f- funkin' stack songs and everything. Yeah. And and you can't tell at all. There's, there's so the zero room, energy. The same room that recorded Brown Sugar recorded this song. <laughs> yeah, recorded like Son of a Preacher Man and stuff. <laughs> Anyone tells you it's the room, they are lying to you. It's the people in the room. The room doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> These guys, like the, the guys in the studio were, were playing chess during the recording of this song. Yeah, that's right. Guys, I'm going to turn the attitude down way down. <laughs> like, if you're on a three now, say, let's go down to negative two. <laughs> I'm not hearing a bunch of honkies in there. <laughs> Guys, more honky. I need you to honk it up, dogs. <laughs> now, listen, talking to the bass player. Now, Len, listen, I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing a, a, a little bit of a groove there. Let's get yeah, rid no, of that. He's the, yeah, he's the guy who's not listening to the assignment. He's, he's still... He's still moving with that kick nicely you know like oh dude i wish you would have mellowed it out <laughs> yeah uh, carl i slightly felt something yeah you, come on in that chorus <laughs> yeah you gotta dial You're the that two back. lovers me and the kick come on <laughs> i know <laughs> all right here we go but with everything i feel inside i'm asking you to stay okay what, what's in it for me here? <laughs> yeah, exactly what? <laughs> you get to go out and bone this other guy, just kind of willy-nilly, and I just have to sit here and wait for you to come home? Should, do you want me to, like, vacuum and stuff while you're out? <laughs> like, what, What's in it for me here, sweetheart? Maybe that's who she's boning. Maybe it's not Donna Summer. It's not Cliff down at the uh, at the batting cage. Raw Dog it's Cliff? Mr. It's, yeah, it's Mr. William Nilly. <laughs> William Nilly. Um, is this guy's uh, name Rupert Holmes? <laughs> Does he have him, an answering machine? Him. Give it to me straight. Him. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, yeah, this is, I think we're into the, the chorus here. That's enough of that, but it just goes on in the chorus at that point. So, um, this is from the 1976 album called Oh Nothing, Torn Between Two Lovers. <laughs> sure. It's and, uh, so Mary was just kind of a backup singer and I, I, I need to kind of like not tell her whole story until I get to the songwriter because it's kind of important. But, um, this was a song was meant to, as someone just said earlier, I think it was George said, uh, Olivia Newton John. I was going to say, it reminds me of like, have you ever been mellow? Yeah. yeah, right, yeah. yeah I right. was going to yeah. say it just yeah. as I got to go. And they were going to pitch it to um, uh, Anne Murray or Olivia Newton-John. And then I guess Mary's demo, the record company liked it and put it out. Um, Mary is was born in St. Paul, Minnesota, which my Thomas guide informs me is very close to the North Star. It is indeed. Yeah. And uh, Mary went on to, you know, have some very minor hits. Like, on, I think she had a song on the Meatball soundtrack, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had a song on the Meatball soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she was still singing about her lover. So um, <laughs> so Mary just sort of did some sporadic recording. Now, the one thing that I found that was most interesting that she did post-Torn Between Two Lovers is she did a Christmas duet on a special a network special called Scrooge's Rock and Roll Christmas. And the theme of it was, I guess, Scrooge, the guy, the guy playing Scrooge got this, got the Christmas spirit by 
looking into a snow globe and watching 60s artists sing uh, Christmas songs. <laughs> so so she had you, you had a Bobby Goldsboro, our pal. Yeah. We had the association Paul Revere and the Raiders doing so- Christmas songs and I guess that just warmed the cockles of Scrooge's heart, but the one I thought was the most interesting that Mary did a duet with oh nobody, Mike Love. Oh wow. Rears oh, <laughs> is ugly, lovely baseball hat. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey, I hear we're going to do a track together. <laughs> now, the problem is that I thought I could extract some some comedy from it, but the, it, the problem is it was just too competent to be funny. Right, <laughs> like, right. Mike was in good voice, doing a nice harmony. She was, you know, she's a very pleasant, not a great singer, but just a pleasant singer. So I thought, right. eh, they, that's a, what you think Mary McGregor and Mike Love would sound like singing, Do You Hear What I Hear? That's what it sounds like. Right. If they were inside a snowman. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did I did extract this one <laughs> Amazon <laughs> reviewed uh Scrooge's Rock and Roll Christmas <laughs> with this title. <laughs> Heartwarming Christmas carols performed by pop stars on the skids with a production value <laughs> of couple next door porn. <laughs> Skids. I think that on the skids is one of my favorite things oh, I don't say. The dude's on the skids. By the way, Mary and uh, Jerry's uh, marriage apparently is on the skids. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of things on the skids, all she does is be on the skids. Uh, speaking of that, there's some, there's some, you know, kind of follow up to because Mary wasn't married at the time, and. She feels like this song did end her marriage, not because she was she was torn between two lovers, but she um, she said because her career, <laughs> such as it was, kept her away from home so often that it strained her relationship with her husband. So ironically, this song did end her marriage. <laughs> right. And, and uh, let's see. I'm going to send you guys this. This is, this is just for our own joy and fun. Now let's watch this together. If this doesn't work out for the pod, that's fine. But I, it just—you guys might even remember this because we were talking about bad movies from the seventies. So let's—I got it queued up over here. If you guys want to watch this along with me, we can all hit play at the same time. It's thirty seconds long, mm-hmm. and it is the movie, movie based on this song. <laughs> now look at the wow. two guys that she's choosing between, okay? Papard and Bologna. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take Papard. <laughs> so so here we go. Check. You guys ready to hit play? <laughs> sure. Or you can just turn your volume down and if it doesn't sync up, no big deal, but you at least get to see the 30 second ad uh, to, you know for the TV movie of the week. Here we go. Wednesday. <laughs> The hit song is now television's most provocative new motion picture. I want to see you. Lee Remick, George Papard. It's no game to hand. I want to marry you. She loved her husband, but that didn't mean she couldn't fall in love with another man. I'm involved with another man. I have needs I didn't have. And what did I do wrong? Torn between two <laughs> lovers at nine, eight cents What I do wrong? Remick's pretty foxy. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, Remick yeah. had it together. Remember, yeah. Remick had Joe Bologna. Look. What did I do not, wrong? <laughs> maybe they were like deliberately, you know, stunt casting or something, because that's a, the exact opposite of the, of the two guys you would think, because she's got like, she's, she's, she's having an affair with old ass just for men, George Papard over right. Joseph Bologna with his olive oil voice and Guinea charm. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so that just this doesn't make any sense. Like George Papard was a very good looking guy, like two decades before this movie happened. It's like that movie Neighbors. It's Dan Eckert and John Belushi, but they for some reason they decided to make Dan the crazy one and John the placid one. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you guys got it wrong. There's a chance that they that they offered George the husband role because he was the older guy. I'm not gonna be the cuck. You know, yeah, I'm not getting happy. cuckolded here by Joe Bologna. <laughs> <laughs> by Lee and fucking Chuck Bo- Joe Bologna. <laughs> I want to see you. <laughs> I love the old fucks, dude. Like, and they, remember, like, it, what was it fucking blaming on Rio? And, like, Demi Moore has to deal with Michael Caine and right. Joe Bologna, both <laughs> way older yeah, than right. they are at this. <laughs> oh, great. Well, you know what? Speaking Super. of... Speaking of May-December romances, let's talk a little about the songwriter, shall we? Sure. And, and if you'll remember how, how the department this came from. Right. So this song was written by, co-written, the other guy doesn't matter. Let's talk about, oh no, one, Peter Yarrow from Peter, Paul, and Mary. Really? And he wrote this song, like, you know, the inspiration for it, not interesting, don't care. But... Did you guys know that Peter Yarrow spent three months in jail for molesting a 14-year-old girl at his hotel room? I and did was, not. And, and was pardoned by Jimmy Carter? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You, you hear shit like that? They, Jimmy sees the Jesus. nicest things in everyone. He, hey, listen, he did. Fuck the magic dragon. <laughs> so the story goes, and it's pretty well documented, and it's still talked about to this day by the people who were involved. Um, a, a 17-year-old girl... And her younger sister, 14-year-old sister, went to his hotel room. I guess he was touring or something. Yeah. And to, to get his autograph. And our pal One Pete... One thing led to another. <laughs> our pal Pete opens the door naked. As you'll do on tour. <laughs> and for some reason, the girls were separated. Like, the 17-year-old waited outside, and the 14-year-old had to, like, <laughs> ma- manually manipulate Peter Yarrow. <laughs> And so, for, for like you say, for some reason, a roadie yeah, grabbed right. her and moved her into the broom closet. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, you want a PP and M sweatshirt? <laughs> Check it out. So, I mean, there's nothing funny about this guy getting getting you know creeping on this girl. And he did three months. That's all he did. Yeah. Did a three a three month bid. So, <laughs> the interesting thing about this because I thought, okay, there could be a chance. You know, just just because I know that, like, there was a culture back then, and I'm, I'm not I'm certainly not defending any sort of like, you know, mixing it up with underage girls, but there was a culture back then where teenage girls would show up at Steven Tyler's or Paul Stanley's hotel room, and they mo- oh. n- weren't necessarily we're 18 about, years old, dudes, you know. Dude. And yeah. the girl got to, to, you know, have fun with Paul Stanley, and that's her, that was her takeaway. And so I just went, well, maybe the, so I'm thinking, well, maybe the 14 year old was said she was 16. You know what I mean? I'm not defending Peter Yarrow. I'm not saying that the girl did anything wrong. I'm saying like th- in that culture that was going on back then that this shit happened. It had it's to. It's all gross. Yeah. It's all gross. It's all gross. No matter, yeah. So here I am researching Mary McGregor and I look, just looking at other songs that might be funny or something. And on the same album, there is a song called... I blew Peter Yarrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the the song is called "This Girl" parentheses has turned into a woman, oh, written boy. by oh no one Peter Yarrow, Peter Yarrow and and co-written by Mary McGregor. 
Now, oh, let me read you. Was she the gal? Um, no, different girl. It wasn't her. But listen to what she, what Mary signed the lyrics. Mary signed off on. Now, by the way, we're in 1976, and this should happen like 71. So Mary's got to know about it. So listen to the samples of lyrics from "This Girl Has Turned Into a Woman." Last, this is from the girl's perspective. Last night you heard me crying, cause I had never loved a man before, and I guess the tears were falling, cause the little girl was lost. But now, love, I'm not crying anymore. This girl has turned into a woman. And I thank you for your tenderness last night. I'd never seen your head lying on my pillow. I'd never seen your body without clothes. Wow. (laughs) Fucking 70s, dude. I couldn't get out of that decade fast enough. I'm going to arrest you for saying that. (laughs) This guy is a fucking creep. Well, by the way, just we know with serial behavior, you, you know, you, you build up. I mean, this is he got caught the one time, but you know, when you got something for the young stuff, you got something for the young stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this wasn't his first time. Yeah, <laughs> right. Nuts. But and he could just just plainly write about it just out in the open. Five years later, by the way, it's not like he wrote this song before he got caught and sent to jail. He's writing this song later for Mary's album in 1976. Dude, that was nightclubs in L.A. That like all those little girls, like little girls, hanging out at like English Acid and everything. Fucking at, at Rodney's nightclub, hanging out with Zeppelin. They're like, oh yeah, fourteen, and everybody knew that they were. Yeah, well, it's so many stories from uh, name anyone. Damn it, would, yeah. would, uh, Bowie and not yep. Bowie, yeah, Bowie too. Uh, yep. Nugent and Steve Steven Tyler emancipated people from their parents and took the girls on the road with them. When <laughs> yeah, they were to make it quote legal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay if I take them, right? Here, my manager's going to have you sign this contract. Here's $40,000. Couldn't get out of that decade quick enough. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. That's Torn Between Two Lovers, a beautiful song. Bailing like a fool. Yeah. It's and... fucking disgusting. <laughs> and uh, so there you go. I, I now turn the, the microphone over to George. Well, for this track, uh, I'm going to take my, um, my little seven and a half uh, baby foot. And slam it down into a huge pile of monkey shit. (laughs) Quite literally. And I hope you enjoy this. Go ahead. Okay. Off we go. Oh, Jesus. Anything yet, Aaron? I think it's going to be virtually impossible for him to figure this out. No, no, I, I don't know. It's, it, no. it's, it's. All right, we'll give you, we'll give you a hint. It's a novelty song, and it's a, it's a, another animal. It's a follow-up that, that, that disco <laughs> that disco dances. Uh, monkey, monkey. King, uh, well, no, King what's the, the original Kong, one, Aaron? The, the famous one. Disco oh, duck. Disco duck. Remember who yeah. did it? Rick Dees. Yep. <laughs> and, and his cast of idiots. <laughs> yeah. So this, this song is called Discorilla. D-I-S. No, Discorilla. Oh, Discorilla. <laughs> Got it. Jeez. It was, it's so bad that even me and my, my punning ways couldn't pick up on that. Yeah. So the, like he's Aaron, dissing I, the girl. What I thought was, uh, everyone knows, you know, Disco Duck, that's an easy one. It's one of the worst songs ever. Not yeah. enough for us. The follow-up to Disco Duck, <laughs> the Disco Rilla. That's for the Gitmos. Oh, God. <laughs> America stroked him off enough. So he goes, well, they fucking love the animals and they love it when they dance. Yeah. 
So I'll do the gorilla huh. dance. And and he's doing he his first lyrics are something like I went I went down to disco dance and find romance. Man, like, oh, it's awful. God. All the lyrics are so he rhymes gorilla with everything: pillow, <laughs> thrilla, pilla, everything. It's just the fucking. Imagine if a gorilla got loose in a disco. <laughs> yeah, it would maul everyone because it's ten. It's a ten times the strength of a man. <laughs> yeah, like let's say. Obviously, a gorilla would be a problem. Imagine if a chimp got... I mean, a chimp oh, is, even is a, a yeah, vicious... A spider monkey. Yeah, yeah, a spider monkey would fuck a lot of people up. Yeah. <laughs> that little rat, that little fucking monkey, the seek-hiling monkey from Raiders. Yeah. Imagine he's out there in his vest. Right. Looks oh, like yeah. he's going to a disco in a vest. <laughs> um, so just so you know, on the, so what, what, we're, what I'm looking at here as the, as the visual for this YouTube video is... It looks like the opened up CD cover, just kind of scanned. And yes. so uh, the back cover appears to be a shot of uh, Rick Dees at his grooviest with a mustache and the, you know, kind of like Scott Bayo hair and a choker, of course, and giant collar. But then to the side of, of that picture is uh, Rick Dees with his arm around the disco duck. It's a guy mm-hmm. in a duck suit. And also the other picture is him being held up by a guy in a gorilla suit. So yes. we're covering we're covering right. both the duck and the well, and the disco gorilla. All right. And we don't have to do it here, but if you if you feel like it, um, I I didn't use it because the audio was bad. But one of the most horrifying things, and a lot of the comments agreed with me. So if you go to um the Brady Bunch hour from about 1977, um, it is we, we've just mentioned them. It's the cast of What's Happening with Greg Brady introducing Rick Dees doing disco gorilla. On this terrible fucking stage with two giant prop gorilla arms hanging down, (laughs) swaying back and forth and dancers over this shitty lagoon. Dude, and at any one time, there was only two other things on. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. You had to watch it. Two other things were on. And so it was this or two other things. And it's just someone wrote in the comments. Someone wrote in the comments. If you ever wondered why they blew up disco records during a White Sox game, this is it. It didn't. It didn't help. You know, like this beautiful, this beautiful form of music, just yeah. fucked out by these dipshits. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm talk a little bit about that. Go ahead, uh, play a little more of this crap, <laughs> monkey crap. I feel like having rerun Greg Brady and Rick D's all in a room together ripped a hole in the space time continuum. Oh yeah. Oh, it's crazy. You see it and you're like, I can't, and, it, and it's Raj and, and uh, the daughter and yeah, it's Dwayne. everybody and, and rerun and uh, Dwayne. Right. Wow. <laughs> and they all have a line, you know, like, Hey, is this the guy that made gorillas dance? I don't know. I love ducks. How about Rick D? It's just, <laughs> they all have a line. Jesus it's just Christ. awful. <laughs> oh, and this song, yeah, we're like one line in. I already want to kill somebody. It's pretty short. It's pretty short. <laughs> okay. But his noises are great. Wait till you get to his noises. Oh, because he was known for doing the duck voice and everything. No, someone else did the duck voice. I looked at that, but oh. it's not him. But he, go ahead and play a little bit. Oh, it's his, it's, it's, it's dummies from his, his shitty radio his show. His usual gang exactly. of idiots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His gang of idiots, right? His okay. uh, yeah, band of idiots, or what it's called. Yeah. Here we go. Sydney. By the way, cast it. That's that's from Mad Magazine. They they were saying that in the fucking fifties. Yeah, you know, cast the, of the usual gang of idiots or whatever. He right, just called right. it cast of idiots. Cast of idiots. Yes. Goff or D's <laughs> boner. Hear the noises? Oh, What's he God. doing? <laughs> He's going. <laughs> 
it's gorilla noises. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know gorillas had speech impediments. Right. Wait till you get the chorus. Get, 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 listen to the rest. The chorus is just like Disco Duck. <laughs> oh, jeez. Go. All of a sudden, I'm acting deranged. My hair was growing wild. I looked in the street. She said, "I'm the one who would be that thriller." Cause she was searching for the disco <laughs> What's he doing? It sounds like those, those, those jazz scatters from the <laughs> crazy song we listened to. Oh, Halloween. the Halloween song. The Halloween yeah. one. What's he doing? It's that, those are his idea of gorilla noises. Right. At least with the duck, you can go, <laughs> and you can sound like a duck. When did, the, <laughs> when did the 70s King Kong come out? 77? 76. So we were caught up in gorilla fever. <laughs> I guess I guess that's what I don't I'm just looking for a reason. Like I mean obviously there was there's I mean the the real reason I suppose was Disco Duck but it's probably you know I don't know that he's smart enough to uh it was so it was the same time, right? Dis- Disco Duck was number 1. This made it to 56. <laughs> and then it stalled. But right. yeah, he was the, the fascinating part to, to me about some of this is that all this is prior to Saturday Night Fever, which I think of as, you know, the middle of disco or the beginning of disco even. Like, Disco Duck is 76, this is 77. Both these are before Saturday Night Fever. And even even in the in the intro with the Greg Brady and rerun, they say, Mr. Disco Rick Dees. Hmm. Even before the preeminent disco movie of the decade. This is before. I don't think that that term of, was a self-generated by D from what's happening. That was probably written by Rick. <laughs> no, I probably Here's was, but I, I, but I couldn't believe this was before di- <laughs> right, before right. we knew what disco was. He was saying, I'm disco. No wonder people hated it, like they said. <laughs> before the Bee Gees came out with their beautiful songs on that soundtrack, this guy was saying, I'm disco. And then they lumped him in with the fucking Bee Gees. Yeah. Jesus, what an unfair... Just. <laughs> Thank God he didn't make it onto the soundtrack. You're exactly right, Aaron. He They wanted to put it on Disco Duck on Saturday Night Fever, and he wouldn't let him do it. It was on RSO Records and all this, and now he regrets not being on the soundtrack. <laughs> I bet you he has a beautiful dollar, though, right? I mean, just in life, like his, he's got to be wealthy. Sure. Oh, Rick Dees, Rick of course. Dees. He's been a, yeah. For, he was he's around for the radio now. Childhood. Yeah, like, hmm. is he really? Yeah, I think so. He must he was be Kiss FM through our whole childhood, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, all the way into the eighties and he was Kiss FM guy, right? and everything and right. His yeah, Christ. forever. Fucking but Rick still, Dees. the first paragraph of Wikipedia is Disco Duck. <laughs> Number Dude, one. How often has that phrase been uttered? Fucking Rick Dees. <laughs> right. Like, from like rate label dudes, other radio dudes, people at Kiss FM. I'm sure. Yeah. The guy in the duck suit. The guy in the gorilla suit. <laughs> Jen, 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 Jen and I still say, still say, hey, what's the temperature? Oh, it's 76 degrees. degrees. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's that's what I was going to say is like total missed opportunity here. If he wanted to, to hop onto the the, uh, dis, the Saturday Night Fever bandwagon, he, he could have called himself the BDs. <laughs> Thank <Nice>. you. <laughs> Good night. Let's hear a little more of this chorus. Wait till you hear this fucking chorus. All right. What an asshole. What's he doing? Is that a gorilla noise? I think of him like in the fucking vocal booth going, and they're like, what are you doing? This does remind me of that Halloween song because it's like nobody stopped them and said, all right, let's cut there. 
you've heard what a gorilla sounds like, right? What you... <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but that's not a gorilla. <laughs> right. What are you doing? <laughs> that's more of a kampucha, Rick. <laughs> I mean, it's up to you. This is your fucking song. I don't know. And it's exactly the same backup singers with exactly yeah. disco, disco gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> so, by the way, Rick D's net worth fifty million. Yeah, I'll tell you, yes, exactly. That's too sure much, Rick. <laughs> if it was five, it would be too much. <laughs> Rick, give some back. <laughs> Fuck him. Right. Okay, keep Here going. You know how I, how I always say, like, some of these songs, like, you, you can't be embarrassed if you liked it as a kid. You know, when you're an adult, we, we have to have a discussion. But if, if when you're a kid and you like songs like this, but, but I'm embarrassed for myself for listening to Rick Dees as a kid. Because I'm realizing he was ne- he was not funny at all. No. It's just, he I just knew did that. So, he said stuff like Dees, Dees Grease and, 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 and he was just dumb. Right, he's a hacky DJ. Because I'm thinking, like, okay, this guy is known for comedy, and and this is the least funny thing I've ever heard with these gorilla sounds, and it doesn't even make sense. They're not gorilla sounds. <laughs> I know. Like, I think back on like I used to be I, I, when I was a kid, I, I got turned on to Spike Jones. So like it was that was like from my parents' generation, and right. and like and it made it made me laugh. Because like it was like really great musicianship, and he was sort of crazy, clever songs, clever songs, and and oftentimes it was like off of songs of the day, but it would also be original songs. But like I don't know, like they probably didn't age very well. But like I could listen to a record there now and 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 find something to laugh at. And I I don't know what's going on with Rick Dees, man. I wondered. I, I thought about this for a while because I don't. I haven't really tread into the novelty song area. On the show, I mean, maybe that's the thing about the seventies too. You have to ask yourself: is is answering machine a novelty song? Well, I have to say, George, I'm happy to get you out of the fucking bullshit of the eighties because I mean, if we like, I can't take any more of the Paula Abdul songs emotionally. So, like, I'd rather keep you here in the seventies. Is your sweet spot? <laughs> but I, yeah, I now I regret it because I tell you to get out of there. You come here, you, right? You I come exactly here. Exactly what I, I asked I, for. <laughs> or even even convoy like and I, the, the, Dude, what, that the was line the best. I, that was your best song ever. <laughs> <laughs> the line I drew, I guess, was that like that at least Rupert Holmes is a musician. Like he was he was doing those yeah. songs and trying to be clever. So I don't really think of them as novelty songs. Whereas Rick Dees isn't a musician; he's a DJ. And then C.W. McCall was an ad an ad executive. He wasn't really a. They're not musicians, really. But musician or not, they were making serious songs. I mean, they were making songs for the pop radio market. He was making songs to, you know, I mean, $50 million later, but like he was, they were novelty songs from the conception. Yeah. Right. Like radio bits. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like it's like, you know. Radio bit gone too far. (laughs) Well, here's here's the difference. Rupert and um, you know a lot of these guys like uh, Run Joey Run and CW Paul. Yeah, they weren't necessarily novelty songs. They were story songs, and even like uh, Mary McGregor and Torn Between Two Lovers. That's a story, right? There's so Mm -hmm. many like that in the '70s. It was really a hallmark of the time. Yeah, Yeah, this is a fucking you know D-level Doctor Demento song. 
Well, but it's a story. Right. He is going down to the disco and he's feeling strange <laughs> and getting hairy. So it is a story. Just because there's a narrative doesn't mean that. <laughs> he saw a woman in a red cape and it made him go ape. I wish so. <laughs> I wish. I wish that there that the same angered Simeon went nuts in the recording studio. <laughs> and so tore Rick, everybody's Rick head D's, off. Yeah, Rick D's ripped his arm off and beat him to death with you know with that arm with Rick's own arm. Whack, whack. Stuffed him inside the piano and slammed the flash shut. <laughs> like Denzel Washington in yeah. uh, American Wham. Gangster. Yeah. <laughs> Sounding his head into a piano. <laughs> I'd like to, to uh, pose a theory at this juncture. Okay. And we're sitting here thinking that Rick or one of his, his gang are, are doing those gorilla noises. I'm going to propose that they use the same Moog synthesizer that they used to make the muskrats fucking sound. Yeah. <laughs> they right. patch it. It took an hour to patch it. <laughs> so I talked to Daryl, and he's going to lend me the fucking Moog, bro. The fucking mojo machine, right? <laughs> just, I just picture the guy with all this patch base. He's hitting like like seven different things. <laughs> like this... <laughs> That sounds great. What if we found out that what Pete Townsend was doing all those years was, <laughs> was really coming up with those noises and he's responsible for it. I need to make it sound more like a monkey. Rick D's is on my case. Hey, come in here, Rod. You've got a thing that sounds like a gorilla. <laughs> oh, shut up, Pete. Shut up with your fucking... <laughs> Send it to Rick D's. Your fucking lover. Send it to him. You love him so much. Fucking whale noises. Shut up, will you? <laughs> Christ, man. Morosely sitting in that room. <laughs> making muskrat sounds. <laughs> just, just comes out that Keith Moon killed himself because of these noises. I just couldn't hear those more of the sounds. Really. <laughs> All right, here we go. God damn it. A little more. And you can't tell a goddamn thing he's saying. No. Music stopped and I got started and I got on the floor. The crowd went bananas. <laughs> yeah, but don't you think if, if this is sort of a, a novelty song where the humor is part of the storytelling, that you would be able to hear the, what he's yes. saying? Yes. I can't hear a fucking thing he's saying. No, he's kind of swallowing everything I know. I don't think I'm missing anything, by the way. It's not You're like not. I want to hear the story, but it just doesn't make any sense to me that you would be making a novelty song that's supposed to be so hilarious. I, and I you... think he's going to dance now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. You know, I think that would like a better. Okay, I'm I'm super clever. I came up with this phrase, but like, what if the boogie? A man said that uh, the boogie makes me just into an animal. I become just like a a fucking boogie animal. I'm like a disco rilla, and, and it's <laughs> yeah. not an actual monkey or a gorilla. It's just a guy who's just like made into a a, a dancing machine animal. You know, right? Like that would be smarter and less dumb. But like, um. Uh, Aaron, it's a cast of idiots, so... <laughs> right on brand. I just wrote a lyric. Okay, go. Um, uh, I, I'm going to try to do it in a gorilla voice. North, <laughs> south, west, east. This disco music turns me into a beast. <laughs> See? 
<laughs> Put an orange wedge in your mouth. It's better. <laughs> I'd rather hear that song, you know. And I was on real serious drugs earlier this this morning. <laughs> so yeah, it's just more. God of this. damn it! Oh my god. It's only Tarzan makes an appearance. Yeah, I know. Suddenly he's yeah. Tar- well, that's he's me swinging on the swinging on the vine in the fucking Brady Bunch special. Oh. <laughs> Or as we like to say, Tarzan. Tarzan. Hey, Tarzan. <laughs> He's Tarzan. <laughs> or you could say like Tarzan wants to go to the disco. Yeah. And he swings in there like a disco rilla, you know? Yeah. Well, so <laughs> Tarzilla. Tar- I'm You're to- <laughs> overthinking it, Aaron. <laughs> Somebody needs to think it at all. We need a record right now to follow up Disco Duck. <laughs> My kids were at the zoo the other day. They like gorillas. <laughs> There just weren't enough kids with money, I'm telling you, to, to make this song a hit. A bunch of dumb adults bought this. I, I, I hate the adults from the 70s. That's why that chick stepped out on her old man, because he down at the office, he thought it was so funny about Disco Rilla and brought it home and would spin it every night. She's <laughs> like, i got to get out of here. I'm going to read it. I'm going down to I'm Mr. To J's to get a cocktail. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, what's the place called? Shea J's. Shea J's, right? <laughs> Shea J's. I know, I know for a fact they're not going to be playing Disco Rilla down there. <laughs> Fucking Sherman Oaks, asshole. Operator, I need the number for Papard, first name George. <laughs> Look under Turtleneck, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure if his name's Banachek or he plays Banachek, but just look it up. <laughs> Look up Mannix. Who's the guy who played Mannix? Anybody. <laughs> Do you have a Tate, comma, Larry? <laughs> in, the, in the Santa Monica. <laughs> Pretty sure it's Santa Monica. Almost positive. <laughs> All right. Well, do we? All right. I'll keep going until you tell me to stop, George. Okay. A little bit more. I think this is it, though. <laughs> well, we still got a good minute to go here. I think oh. it's just her saying disco real over and over, but yeah. go ahead. All right. <laughs> Is that supposed to be a monkey doing that? I that's don't know. I don't understand. I, yes, I think it is. I, that's all I can think of is because they thought, well, the duck, you know, and I guess it sort of, in quotes, worked with the duck. But When it, do it gorillas do warm-up scales? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did they go question. to the zoo or listen to, they watch Wild Kingdom and go, oh, that's the noises they're making. Try to do this, Rick. <laughs> they wake up pitch perfect for what they need to do that day. They don't need to do any warm-ups. <laughs> yeah. They don't. They don't. Damon, a, 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 a gorilla doing scales to warm up their their vocals, it makes as much sense as that goddamn football robot on on Fox who's who does who stretches from time to time when his graphic comes up. Why, He's a robot. Why would, a, why would a robot have to stretch? Right. I've become fascinated with that robot. Why is he number thirty four? Why is he there's a thirty four on him. Why? Why is he number thirty four? Fuck that robot. Back to the gorilla. Why? Why? We can be done if you want. God damn it. Let me say one thing about this that I did because there's one okay. part of that, there's a little bit of a horn section in it in that mm-hmm. middle part where you're like oh this sounds kind of like oh that's because i thought who's really responsible for this and both the um disco duck and the disco rilla were, were this is all written and put together by a guy named bobby manuel who's a guitar player and like was part of Stax records like did all those Stax ses- sessions with like 
Albert King and Isaac Hayes. And it's not like he's some schlup or something. Like yeah. He's a real dude. And you, you hear some of those horns, you're like, oh, maybe this guy, like, just something, is the music even good in this? And it's hard to hear it because he keeps going, oh, hoo, 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 and you can't <laughs> hear the fucking the music. But I was fascinated that someone who, you know, worked with Al Green, like, did this song. Right. Like, <laughs> Right. So it's not it's not some idiot. It's not a cast of idiots. It's a guy who's a session guy from Stax. You know, you needed to get paid. I get. I get. I don't know I, how much did you make on this session. Could could you have just gone? No thanks. Well, he wrote the song. He wrote Disco Duck. It was at number one for like eight weeks or something. Oh, like you know. <laughs> did he invite any fourteen year olds to his hotel room? <laughs> no. Okay. Was he wearing a? Was he? Did he have a fake monkey paw? <laughs> You guys- <laughs> on his schwanz, on his schwanz. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I take that back. Rick is credited as the songwriter. Bobby is the producer. But yeah. I can't imagine Rick wrote this music. There's no way Rick... Well, yeah, well, someone had to come up with those hilarious lyrics. Yeah, well, so good, you know. <laughs> yeah, because Rick, Rick Dees was a comedian. Boy. All right, okay. that's, well, that's anyway. fucking... Fuck you, Rick Dees. We're done with the, the disco rilla. <laughs> Ah, uh, boy, yeah, that's that's bad news. Uh, so betwixt the two, yeah, which is worse? Uh, I, I figure that the uh, figure that the gal is pretty bad. That 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 song, that song is awful. Uh, I mean, and there is what's awful truly about it is not the. I mean, because it's not a it's not an ugly song. It's it's a it's a '70s theme, which is ugly. And strikes me poorly, but the song itself isn't ugly. Like it's it's musical. She's got a pleasant voice, but all that shit is just so jive. And he's a fucking pedophile, and <laughs> and he wrote, and his all his other music sucks too. <laughs> it's all fucking puffing stuff bullshit. <laughs> And then you get, and then you get, and then you get fucking Monkey Man and the and the and the and the and, the, and you know. And the Canard twins. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. Like, what's ha- what happened? Like, what was going on? That it's it's too easy to say the drugs. It's too easy to say that money was grown on trees. You know, it's something else. It's just like taste was shitty. So many yeah. beautiful things happened in the seventies. I don't know. I mean, I got it. Like, I can I could listen in a humorous way to Torn Between Two Lovers again, and I'd rather shoot myself in the foot. <laughs> you know, like the way who <laughs> said a guy from like Leonard Skinner shot himself in the toe so he didn't have to go to Nam. <laughs> 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 like I would do that to avoid hearing the, the speaking of the jungle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't do it. It's got. I got to give it to the fucking disco rilla. Yeah, <laughs> the disco rilla Jesus. wins. Yeah. Oh boy! All right. <laughs> what a lump of shit. <laughs> Here we go. Well, there you go. That that song never fails to remind us how good things can be. (laughs) I suppose it's good that like no one has to do, no one has to be the hero and and try for Disco Duck now because we've already, it's been covered. Right. Yeah. Basically. I thought it was 
not good enough for us. You know, like Gorilla was worse. We can't just do, (laughs) when I was looking at Rupert Holmes, it was like same thing where I'm like, okay, well, Pina Colada is shitty and him shitty. Is there something shittier? And the answer was yes, answering machine. Right. And this one, I thought, nah, Disco Duck's easy. What's the? Is there another one? And I kind of remembered this song. And I wasn't sure if I like imagined it or it was just a commercial, but it was actually a song. And I was horrified to find it was a whole song, which I'd never heard the whole thing. <laughs> well, I I had did the same math when I went digging for other weird Mary McGregor songs, and I found the one about this girl is a woman now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's super creepy. There's always a worse one. Yeah. <laughs> At least your girl in this one was an adult. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. I was wondering if, yeah. if, if uh Peter Yarrow's math was, you know, when he's writing the song and he was trying to decide between two lovers if it was the seventeen year old or the fourteen year old. Either one's gonna get you in sing sing, kid. <laughs> Depends on what state you're in. Yeah, north of the Mason Dixon, you're in trouble, guy. <laughs> Well, we've got we we've filled the airwaves with pedophilia and gorilla shit. <laughs> <laughs> what a show we do! Yeah. Pat yourself on the back. Good stuff. Well, I, I I've I've got uh, I've got I've got something that'll that'll make it better if you if you if you if you'd like to hear it. I would. I, I'd like to see what what Majel has to say first. <laughs> yes, okay. I think this is called for right now. Sorbet. Decontaminate. For sure, that's that disco where the the, the gorilla went amok is definitely going to need some <laughs> decontamination with some hazmat suits. We, we filled airways with pedophilia and gorilla shit. <laughs> My God, this love so Gitmos. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Yours truly. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> we know you have a lot of options when you listen to podcasts. <laughs> Why not consider pedophilia and girly shit? <laughs> Who's ever put those together? Nothing. Geniuses. <laughs> we should sign off every episode with best to get more bros. <laughs> our best. LOL, you guys, right? <laughs> From our family to yours. <laughs> Keep on smiling. <laughs> All right. Here we, we are now in the sorbet segment of the the hellscape we call it your loathing help us Aaron. <laughs> here's the thing i what i wa- what i wanted to do here is is liberate this song from i find it a reality and yet boring and a disservice to this artist to talk about the legacy of the video <laughs> it oh. is only important how 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 ripping this guy is remains to be Always was. His career is fucking awesome. Um, he's got three albums, maybe even four, that are kind of bulletproof. And hardly anybody can really say that. Uh, and uh, incredible live performer. One of the best live shows I've ever seen in my life. Stadium show that I caught for the tour for this record in 1984. So what I want to talk about, I want the narrative to be... Fucking Billy Squire rocks. I was going to say, is this rock me tonight? <laughs> and, and 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 the video is fucking. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Especially when you put it next to so many of the other things that happened in the years after it. Like fuck off. Fuck off. 
you know. Oh, but, I have I have thoughts about that video. I've but, been telling but, you for years. Yeah, but 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 I I honestly feel that like the bigger question is more inter- the bigger thing that's more interesting is is the song rad. The song is rad. His career is rad. He's rad. That's what's important. And like you know, it is interesting what happened with the fucking video, but I don't think about it when I hear the song. So let's listen to "Rock Me Tonight." Rock Me Tonight. His drummer, I forget his name, but the, the biggest fucking drum sound since John Bonham. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's so similar. Huge. What's it's, the guy's uh, name? Uh, it's uh, Bobby uh, Chenard. Right. But no, the, the, the producer. It's, it's oh, Mac, it's fucking, right? It's Mac. Well, it was. It was up yeah. until this record. It was oh. Reinhold Mac. And this record was Jim Steinman and Billy. Oh, yeah, so it was uh, it was it was prior to this, he had had all the big fucking hits of his career yeah. with uh, Reinhold Mac uh, behind the boards and the same band, but like Reinhold Mac was a motherfucker. Uh, he did, he the did game, all right? the fucking he did fucking a ton of Queen yeah. shit. He did yeah. all the big ELO records. He did uh, all of Billy's big records. With the exception of this one, and uh, just a, just a, a motherfucker in a very real way, and so obviously there is the connection between Queen and Billy began there, but continued on Emotion in Motion where Freddie's on, right. and then on this record, uh, uh, Brian May plays uh, on the song 1984. Did anybody think that? Did anyone think that sounded? I never thought of it this way because he was thinking the video. You're right, Aaron. And it's nice to listen to it, but that it sounds a lot like "Cold as Ice" in the beginning. I almost wanted to start singing those lyrics. Yeah, yeah the hook, I, I the hook the is the hook is the same. Yeah. Um, but like it does the, the the addition of of everything else makes it a wholly other song. And to me, it's a beautiful sort of. I think that you can't say it's. I don't know that it's a ripoff. I I like to believe that like it's a fucking it's a celebration it's a fucking dopey uh 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 staccato kind of move i think it's i think it's impressive for both it's kind of a different vibe of a song they both mm-hmm. have the same kind of strut uh and that hook is very similar real similar i almost want to see start seeing killer queen too <laughs> yeah it's a fucking it's such a fucking rad song and i'm a huge fan of the drummer and the band is great bass player is fucking awesome and live, live this 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 show was so good, so good. I saw uh, ACDC the prior year. I saw David Bowie that year, and then this year was a big one too. So like this is all prior to high school, and I was seeing these big like uh, arena shows, and yeah. this one was as good as those. Uh, big, huge, wide open stage, uh, big sort of levitating circle that you sort of see in uh, the all night long video right um i suggest i i request that uh people go online and look up there's there's no footage of an entire show video wise but the 
previous tour for the Emotions in Motion tour, there's him at Cobo Hall. It's fucking amazing. And then the for Don't Say No, there was him at Santa Monica Civic, and it's equally rad. Um, so that's out there, and I would suggest people looking at it. Now, um, you know, I mean, what happened in this video was that he's sort of strutting around, flitting around, and it, and it sort of defied the masculine tip that people wanted to put on him and you know it's sort of pastel colors and it's it's not macho in any kind of way and he was coming from a more macho place and so it was a dichotomy and it screwed up his career it upset you know people who were his fans got uptight about it but also this was a big fat huge record i don't mean just the record but this song was a huge huge song so like it got to number one on the charts it was fucking a big record they play so, it all the time on MTV. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was huge. So like, yeah. So like, it's a funny thing to say, like it destroyed it. People would have killed for such destruction, you know? Um, but you know, it was a, it was a big swing and a big fucking miss as far as a legacy is concerned. I would, I would, I would say that as an absolute. Didn't he, didn't he blame Kenny Ortega for like choreographing this yeah, video? Kenny Ortega needs yeah. a lot of blame on all kinds of, in all kinds of ways. Yeah. Starting with Chili's. <laughs> I, I myself have been directed by Kenny Ortega. Uh, really? Orchard. Yeah, yeah. Me and the me and the boys were in my ex-wife uh cast a show uh that we were on and Kenny was the director years ago. Uh and so <laughs> we had some, Did he uh, had make some, you uh, uh dance around and, and basically make love to a pink satin pillow? <laughs> <laughs> I did that on I did that on my own. <laughs> I, I improv that. They cut yeah. it. It's just stupid, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that jump started my career. That's right. It's all in what kind of career you want. Are you the pillow fucking guy? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Can I have your autograph? So let's listen. Let's let the song yeah, move because smart, it does yeah. so many rad things and it's uh uh the uh the middle the 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 bridge is fucking phenomenal and it's just rad as hell. I have a couple a couple observations real quick. Number one I like the fact that like this is obviously a looks like an album cover or something. Maybe it's for the digital it's download. The it's, stuff. It's, it's yeah, yeah it's, a, it's called Absolute Hits. Billy Squire. It's him on stage yeah. playing a guitar, and obviously this package of hits was designed recently, right? Ish, um, yeah. And he's owning the pink cutoff shirt because he's wearing it <laughs> on the cover, which I the like. The funny thing is, like to that point, Damon, is like this shows that I was just suggesting that maybe people pay attention to he has a very strange he has a very strange gait on stage which <laughs> which is very similar to what goes on in the other video it's accentuated yeah um but he he doesn't have like i don't know there's there's like a macho version of that and there's like a less macho version of it and his is sort of like leaping around sort of out of control and it looks like what yeah. kenny did is quote unquote controlled it and it made it very like oh my god and then because it was all pasteled out uh it it looked it looked on macho but like my point being is that he was always prone to jumping around like a crazy guy you know and yeah. no guitar in front of him either usually there was right and he yeah. was a, he was a great fucking player and in a great fucking voice like fucking robert plant style voice uh wrote hooks for days as far yeah, as those riffs. are good records he's a riff tape and all that oh You're my like, fucking god dude like don't say no and uh and emotions in motion and this like one two three hits on those records yeah god like every song's a hit in the dark yeah he was in piper right that's what he was in before yeah yeah 
Yeah. So just like so good, so goddamn good. And like laughing all the way to the bank. It's so beautiful to look at like big time hip hop records or like 99 Problems, but Jay-Z, co-write, <laughs> Billy <Them> Squire. <laughs> because of the big beat uh, yeah. from, from the first record. So yeah. like it's beautiful to see him. And he shows up a lot. It was sampled on like 30 or 40 like hits in yeah. the hip hop uh, genre. Yeah. So don't worry about Bill. You know, he's all Not, right. Yeah. It's funny that like the the same way that Stuart Copeland made fun of Andy Summers, who right. his guitar part was sampled, not not things. <laughs> on, and so the, Billy Squire is laughing all the way back, and the, and the drummer Bobby, what's his name, is going, "Um, that was me playing that beat, but okay, thanks. <laughs> okay, went fries yeah. with that. Let's hear some rock me tonight. Well, we're gonna yeah, the, it's it's almost inevitable to talk about that fucking video, but I'm gonna, I have a take on it that you know. I think it's different than everybody else's. And I want to make one more statement too, before we turn it on, think about yeah. it this way too. He must've toured his balls off in 83 and in 84 because the, the production and maybe this was like Steinman's abil- uh, uh, availability, but like they recorded this between April and April 28th and June 16th of 1984. And wow. it was on the streets in July of 1984. Whoa. I'm so not it's like a sp- ten day recording? No, <laughs> seventeen had, days or something. Yeah, you had no time. Yeah, no time. <laughs> yeah, that's how things were then, though. Get back yeah, and on he the was road. on the road. Right, yeah, yeah, like yeah. right back on there because he was yeah. like, emotion, emotion was a huge record. So you can imagine he was like on the road forever and was like, do it now, do it now, do it now, follow up, follow up, follow up. Oh, yeah. you got Steinman? Okay, do it. He's got the magic touch. Do it, do it, do it. What were the other wow. songs on this? It was all night long and uh, keep me satisfied and can't get next to you. Can't oh, yeah, get right. next to you isn't listed as a single, but I remember it as one. It's a good song. Yeah. yeah. Well, KLOS um, would 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 play all of these kind of deeper. There's cuts no way that they didn't. Yeah, yeah, they had yeah. to. And but like all night long, uh, and this song were on that entire year, that entire year, like a big record. And this is back in in the day when it would be on. So if it came out in July, they were playing those songs through to the next spring. Yeah, it was going right. to be played. You know, now it wouldn't be like that, but like, it was incredible. It was a beautiful run. The next record was big too. So, you know. Well, well there you go. I guess it didn't ruin his career. <laughs> it kind of didn't. I mean, it, it it was, it's a funny, it's a funny. I don't, yeah. I, Cause I wanted to play the song cause we keep going back to the video and I have a lot to say about it, but I think we should listen to a little more music. Yeah. I'm sensitive about it, but I, I say, I don't want to talk about it, but it's hard not to say, fuck that. My take is you know, kind of like taking on everybody else's take, which is yeah. that it ruined his career. I, I mean, let me talk about it later because we're just going to be here for 20 more minutes talking about the video and we're not hearing the song at all. Yeah. Let's listen to that. That's the most important part. Yeah. <laughs> you you preface this by saying you don't want to talk about the video. I don't want to talk about the video. I refuse to. <laughs> it's impossible not to. All right, here yeah. we go. Keep going. I do want to observe this about the music. You know, this is kind of a, a four on the floor kind of song. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, do, 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 do. And, and the guitars, everyone's kind of keeping it real tight and, and, you know, on the beat, which makes you not realize this song swings. Yeah, it does. It's a You're swing right. song. It's not in straight four. Yeah. And that, 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 that riff down, bang, wah, 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 it, it accentuates those, what those, those, the, the, the ands. 
It's yeah. really fucking bitching how it works like that. And yeah. yeah, they're fucking, they knew exactly what they were fucking doing, man. Which is so surprising to me how quickly this was done. And I didn't know that until I was leafing through all this shit the other day. So Th- that sort of swing makes you want to tuck your elbows into your ribs and, and snap your fingers when you're wa- running around a pastel set. Yeah, I want to do a West Coast strut around my pastel uh, <laughs> Fabergé apartment. You, you might even say a reggae strut. And yeah. and, and please get 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 some more fans for those blowing blue curtains. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbors, be damned. <laughs> All right, here we go. I love that vocal effect, and I don't know what it is because it's not like super reverby or something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I think that he's got uh, like I used to think that it was some sort of like. It sort of reminds me of what Phil Collins does. Like it's it's a bit of like a phase thing on it where like it's just like it's it sort of. Dull. I'll do that sometimes with myself. Like I'll have a drier one, and then I'll like just to the left do a tricked out phasey or a chorusy one. Yeah, that's like low in the mix, so it's a hint of it. You know. It almost sounds like it has washy. like a bit of a slap too, like an old fifties slap echo. Yeah, on it. no doubt, no doubt. Because mm. because it's almost like what Lennon used in his first couple solo yeah. albums. Yeah, but this is this is much more aggressive. Going into this fucking like what happens right here is just like the stadiumist of stadium moments. Like it's just fucking built for it. It's built for the fucking forum. It is, you know, it's yep. built for it. rad fucking chord to hit right there yeah it, it, it it's that sort of like uh it's it's a, a minory jazzy moment but doesn't sound muso uh it's just it's a it's, it's fucking a dead rad. stop but it's not <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and it's uh you can almost hear those big uh strippy cymbal hits that he later does he does like uh, uh, uh i think two choruses from now where he's accentuating all the boom bah, do, bah, right do, the, yeah. bah. And he's not doing it, but you can hear it's just the big ass fucking strut. It's a, uh, it sounds like a fucking titty bar. It sounds like a stadium, and it's such a macho riff that isn't power chordy, like at all. It's 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 a lick. You know what I mean? More than it's it's so weird. Like he has a lot of fucking licks like that that aren't like big fat power chordy kind of things. It's weird. He's just a very particular kind of guitar player. Very well, good. Well, it's, it's the thing, it, and also the, what I remember about this record a lot that I hadn't recalled till this moment is it 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 merged power pop and metal where a guy like me in 1981 was gonna like this record. Yeah, for, for sure. Where yeah, more or it less was, it's his career though. Like yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's a little it's it's poppier. Mm-hmm. Because of the synth sound, right? But if it was, yeah. if that was just like a straight piano, mm-hmm. it would almost be like the E Street Band because it's not big power chordy; it's a lick, you know. Yeah, yeah. very impressed with him as a guitar player. Like, and I don't, one of those dudes who like, how does he not get fucking appreciated for all those riffs? Yeah, they're almost like Mike Campbelly or something. Dude, they are. They are. It's a very good call, and like, and there's a ton of them. 
A ton of them. Lonely as the night. Fuck. She's yeah. a runner. God damn it. <laughs> He's from She's better a than last. a great tune. I forgot about that one. And like, yeah. let me tell you this right now, full, full honesty. I've wanted to use those other songs before, but didn't want to get into the conversation that we had to have now. So I'm breaking the seal on Billy right now. <laughs> so like, we got to touch on that. But next time we do fucking, when I swing, swing out or one of us swings out with fucking She's a Runner, we don't got to cover the fucking video anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Wait. I'm heroically taking care of that now because had we had I picked another song, we would have still had gone like steered yeah, into this. How about that video? Yeah. <laughs> we would have it's like, oh, you know what? Just fucking do the song. Try not to talk about the video. It is a, diff- it is a different experience hearing it because this if yeah, this was on any sure. other if any, any any of the other records, it would just be another great song. Yeah, dude. It was you know lonely That's as the night saying. or any of those. Yeah, right. Totally, totally. I, mean, I need a, a second of just uh, dead air so I can. Uh, put this down for our next episode ear and squire <laughs> there you go perfect we're gonna a deep into dive a into billy squire squire pod squire heads <laughs> i got i guess i recently got a t-shirt that i found online um that says where the fuck is billy squire <laughs> <laughs> I like it. no it's where the hell is billy squire it's cleaner yeah and I was like, fucking a god damn how come he's not everywhere here we go George is right because, okay, the video, blah, blah, blah. But you would be in the car, and this would come on the radio all the time. Yeah. And yeah. so when I'm hearing it in this context, it reminds me of driving somewhere or some, you know what I mean? Like the song was as ubiquitous on the radio as it was on MTV. Yeah, dude. It's a fucking, it's a rumbly rocker that's got some boogie to it, but like, it's powerful. It's powerful as fuck. And driving, as you say. So mm-hmm. makes you want to drive. Yeah, I ripped off my pastel shirt many times on road trips <laughs> listening to this song. I certainly did. <laughs> That's why we scored so much trim. <laughs> it is. It'll do it. A lot of people are afraid of it, but they're wrong. <laughs> Dead wrong. Chicks get it, dude. And by the way, also, Billy Squire, there were a lot of ladies at Billy Squire shows. Just so. let's know. Yeah, they know what's up. They know what's up. Peter Yarrow is hanging out backstage. <laughs> Trying to swing. <laughs> Get out of here, puffing stuff. Checking IDs, but he only let in the ones under 18. Exactly. All right. Ew. <laughs> oh, broadcasting. Here we go. a master at creepy harmonies yeah interesting harmonies and like i'm sure that like because he was already doing that so like you want to say that maybe i mean steinman certainly didn't get in the way of that but like he was already doing that a lot and you figure oh it was his that was his stock and trade but also he was working with a producer who did it with the best fucking queen and elo yeah you know and i think that his band sang like we were talking about the other day damon like where you're like oh i like it that the band is singing backups. It's right. not just, you know, 17 yeah. st- stings or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's what's happening here. I mean, clearly this is a lot of Billy's, but like there are plenty of songs and in a live setting, the band was covering. So. All right, here we go. Oh, 
much rad. Yeah. The the guitar, I, I said, uh, you know, I mentioned Mike Campbell earlier, but someone else that this reminds me of that you guys will probably scoff, but super underrated color guitar player, like adding little bits that you don't realize are there until you listen to them is uh, Dave Davies from The Kinks. Totally. He would do stuff like that all the time where he, Billy, you know, in this case, Billy sings a line and then there's an answer guitar and it's mm-hmm. perfectly melodic and it actually lifts up with the song. It like takes, it just adds energy. It's like that that's just because any in someone else's hands you know someone would just like oh well i guess like you know cc deville or some douchebag like that would just oh you just play a solo after every line that's not what billy's doing here he's taking the energy of the song and going with it with the guitar and adding a melodic element that also doesn't get in the way of the vocals tasty licks there's nary nary uh, a chug either like i don't i don't hate on chug like you do but like there isn't any yeah and billy billy doesn't really traffic in that which is one of the reasons that like it's always been appealing to chicks i think you know it's it's like the rockingest of the rocking songs of his are still hooky as hell and it neither does it get dismal or or laid down with power cordy nug nugging out you know all right here we go That had to be a tribute to Foreigner. I mean, okay, so we said what, Cold as Ice before? Yeah. That darn air, 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 till yeah. my eyes with that double vision. Yeah, yeah. no, he's Very aware. Similar. He's aware of pop rock. And, yeah, for and, sure. And the people who did it perfectly. You know, there's no way that he doesn't. It's a little heavier, but this isn't a too dissimilar to a foreigner song from that era. Or from a no few way, years you can totally hear Lou Graham singing this. Oh, yeah. like you in a, in a second. Yeah, they they they're they're cut from the exact same cloth. I I would hope that they are chums. Because they only held each other up. I mean, it was the same kind of music. One doing good for one was good for the other. But like, he, his bona fides are so strong from all those other songs that don't necessarily make you think of Foreigner. But you do think of Foreigner when you look back on it, reflecting on it this way, and go, "Oh yeah, it's the, like I could hear Lou in any one of those songs for sure." You know, the big, big high power voice, but like, it's fucking great. I should be so lucky to fucking remind anyone of Billy Squire or <laughs> Lou Graham. <laughs> it's kind of an ELO bridge, isn't it? Yeah. I was just yeah. thinking of that, that that's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great though. I mean, he's he's lifting from all the coolest stuff, so I'm fine with it. And it's Billy Squire, so like, he's he's fucking aces. Yep. There's a reason this song was a hit, you know. Yep. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love so the rad. artist Billy Squire. <laughs> I love the artist Billy Squire. 
All right, so he's just doing the chorus at that point, right? Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. But he, let me tell you my take on this fucking video. Because there's one guy I found who... Because I was going to do this this video on YouTube and I was doing a YouTube channel with, with my friend. And I was going to write it myself and everything. And, and I went, oh, looks like someone already did it. It was basically my exact take on this. And I've been saying this for years. In fact, I, I think I even... You know, kind of gotten a throwdown with Aaron and the and the and the DG boys about this at one at some party or something. And we, it was all you know, you know, friendly argument. But I I stood alone in this opinion, and I hope people are catching up to it. There was so much, whatever you want to call it, going on back then, fruity or you know, effeminate or pastel-y things going on. I don't. As young Damon wasn't sitting there going watching Billy Squire in his by the way, Mick Jagger wore shirts like this five years earlier, running around stadiums. You know what I mean? The entire David uh, uh, David Lee Roth solo record, all those videos were were as fay as yeah. this. Yeah. And <laughs> they so, just were holding guitars. What about dancing in the street with a Bowie end? Yeah. Those right. Long coats they had on. Jesus. Yeah, but not, but not to mention also like Boy George and George Michael and and Hall and Oates were wearing tons of makeup and stuff. I mean, everybody was kind of so Duran Duran was very effeminate. All those guys, and so I, Young Damon was never sitting there going, "I used to like Billy Squire, but now that I think he's gay, I can't listen to his music anymore." It's like this was <laughs> this was like one drop in a giant ocean of guys acting and dressing like this. I don't I don't mm-hmm. buy that this now. This is the part that maybe bugs Aaron, but I thought well, maybe his career had just kind of like peaked out and then um and he probably could have had a great legacy career after that but maybe his hits were done you know but the fact that like everyone was running around saying the the part that bugs me the most is that billy bought into that and started doing that that point the finger game at, at that director and everything and it and it's a huge fucking rock and roll story now and i just i don't buy it. i don't buy any of it i thought yeah. like I, the fact that billy chimed in he should have just said nothing he said no i like that video and that's it. It it would have died. More or less my it's more or less my point here with this is that like I think what would be awesome is is it now since we're doing it now is that we could be freed up to talk as much about Billy's radness as we want down the road. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just they didn't want to waste too much time on it because it's been said by a lot of people already. But like I think what you're saying is the far better way to take it, you know. It ends and begins with the artist. Like, you know, he's not he he was a big enough star at this point. He could have fucking said no. And he didn't, and it's, you know, reflecting back on it, a lot of people wanted to fucking talk smack about it, so a finger had to be pointed. Can I, can I interject, though? Like, there's nothing to say no to, because he wasn't do any, doing anything that was any more fay than, than and what everyone else was doing. I, that's the part that I'm, right. I'm saying. It's like, it's people saying, yeah, Billy Squire, he, he should have known that his fans wouldn't like it. And but he's, Look around it, like you just said, Mick Jagger and, and David Lee Roth and all of these guys were doing this stuff. Why would he think this is going to be any different? And then, yep. and, and so it's, this is almost like, you know, there's, there's a <laughs> Rod Stewart uh, threw up and, and a gallon of, of jism came out or something like these stupid <clears throat> fucking rumors that start going around and then dumb kids start to believe them. And I, I just think someone started this. Yeah, that that video ruined his career. I, I don't. I, maybe I'm the only guy out there, but I just don't believe it. I think this was. If there's, if you put it in the context of what was going on at the time, there's, there's no way that this can ruin someone's career at that time unless yeah, I mean, you start buying into it and saying that it, it changed things. He would instead of playing the forum, he was playing two nights at the Greek. Then it was one night at the Greek, and then he was playing even smaller than that is it possible that, that his career could have just started like going of, down of course like i think that this didn't yeah. help but of course <laughs> of course that's true 
Absolutely. You know, things got more, you know, had he made like some really rough rocking records, you know, maybe it would have made a difference, but who knows? Like, I think it's more likely that like the time was the time was the time it was, you know, that was, he had a, he had a huge run and I don't know that it, it didn't help him, but not, nor did I think that it was like the death knell everybody perceived it to be. Yeah. Okay. Which so is why I kind of think it's like an empty, it's empty around the, it's all the way around. It's empty. You know, yeah. that's like saying, yeah, I don't understand why, you know, Tommy Shaw didn't have a bigger solo career. You know, like, well, I don't know. Like, how much bigger does it need to be? Like, <laughs> he did fucking fine. Yeah. Like, you went back to Sticks. It was fucking fine. It's Tommy Shaw <laughs> opened this, opened this uh, tour, by the way. Uh, Tommy Shaw opened the Billy Swire tour? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Was, uh, Embarrassment of riches. George, what was that song? I remember he was, uh, uh, shoot, straight, don't wait. Oh uh, uh, yeah, right. Girls with guns. Or yeah, something. girls with guns was that record, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I, I, uh, I believe that the this wasn't that big of a disaster back then because you're right. Because I was struck by how much I knew this song, like every lyric I knew it of, of "Rock Me Tonight." Um, yeah, and I, I, loved I think it. I think it became. You know, it's a difference between MTV and VH1, and what I mean is that I think that this is the worst video ever became folklore. When they yeah. started doing VH1's 10 worst videos that ruined someone's career list. Yeah, right. Or they were just tiring a bunch of talking heads to go, here's yeah. what I, my dumb quote unquote take is on it. Right. And that's it all people watch. Com- some comedian they got to come and say in his story of what he, you know, they're whatever. Basing, they're basing their little gag up on things that everyone had been saying for years, though. But there was no, there, I just don't think there's evidence of it. I don't think, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like this urban myth. This right. video was shockingly odd at the time. I do remember that, that I looked at it and thought, wow, and it's something, what Aaron said about the way he moves, there's something about the way he moves that you he look at. He has an odd it. gait. Like, even if, even if he was in black leather holding a guitar, but he wasn't holding a guitar, right. so it was and accentuated more. Yeah, he agreed. just is excited, you know? Yeah, and you're like, oh, there's something, but there's just plenty of, there's, I mean, just about every act you can think of has made a terrible misstep. And you kind of go, well, that record, you know, that was the experimental. That's the bad one, or that's the one where they change producers, or whatever it is. And they there's survive also people it, like you know. they get away with it, like because it's Dave. People go, fucking Dave Lee Roth, that's Dave. Right? Yeah. yeah. What are you gonna do? You know, or Freddie? People go, hey, what's the matter with you? What? What are you? What but there's are you? plenty of embarrassing videos, like you know, and 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 I just thinking we said all that. L- look at Freddie's fucking the the cover of Mister Bad Guy, his solo record. I mean, Jesus. You know, yeah, but he has no problem doing that. You know, like that's yeah. his, he's like, I'm going to push the envelope as far as you let me fucking push right. it. Right? Maybe Billy and then took I'll do that it attitude, like Damon saying, you know, like, yeah, I like this right. video. Fuck it. <laughs> Let's hear the fade out. Fuck it. Fuck yeah. this video right. talk. Wait, I have three more points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I snuck that chord in again. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> rock, rock, rock and roll me. Yeah, it's good. What was his band like? I remember there's... The- the videos from there's a couple of them, like the Stroke and um, My Kind of Lover, was kind of on the same soundstage, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. They're almost always on a soundstage <clears throat> with rocking with the band. I remember the drummer, he obviously had a bass player. Like, did he have another guitar? He had a keyboard player, right? And then a, another a keyboard guitar? player who was sort of pronounced like he had like one of those dudes who would play like facing you, but two arms out yeah. east yeah, west right, yeah. <laughs> playing, but right. facing you with, and he's rocking a half shirt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the bass player sort of notably had short hair, would wear a leather jacket a lot. Like he sort of looked like he was doing a, he looked like he would be more at home in a, in a new wave band. Yeah. yeah. So he looks like he should be in the pretenders. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah he had right. kind of a, like a Teddy boy vibe. He yeah. was John Deacon of, of the Billy Sawyer band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like he was, if there was a, you know, there was another guitar player, but like the heroics were coming from, from Billy. Uh, William. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I'm listening, I'm wondering if maybe this is just my fantasy. I have no no evidence of this whatsoever. But I'm wondering if they were able to, to pump this album out so fast if the band sort of played it live in the studio. Obviously, Dude, they I think they had to. I think they fucking had to. Like the band, the 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 album is pretty like straightforward rocking with a few songs that are like a little layered keys and stuff. But like I think that they were probably shit hot off the road. Bill had some songs. I think there's like. It's back in the day where you could have like nine songs. I think there's yeah, right. nine and and one is like a set piece song. So like it's really eight, you know? So like it's, it's, it fucking, it, it works and they were just shit hot. Fucking like two weeks they did it. Yeah. That's why I think <laughs> like, damn it. it just sounds like there wasn't a lot of tracking going on. It's just like, all right, we got the, the, the core of the band down. Let's get the vocals and the, and the guitars on and or the, you know, the leads and get out of here. Yeah. I mean, sounds like it to me. Yeah. Okay, so it's a good theory. I'm standing it by is. it. it so is. far, all of my theories are dead-on accurate, <laughs> as usual. Of course. And then one of mine was good, too, about the gorilla and the disco, you know. Yeah. Good theory. We all have good our moments. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to workshop that one. <laughs> disco gorilla, come on. <laughs> all right, here we go. We got like 20 seconds left. And that uh, synth is really cool. Just sort of, again, he he puts these creepy elements in these rock songs that I, that I love. Yeah, it's kind of the 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 keys guy is tasty in the way that he's doing things that Ben Montench would do. Like mm-hmm. if we're sticking with the idea of Mike Campbell, he kind of sounds like there's there's elements of the of uh, you got lucky. Sure, big oh, time vibe um, in um, this song, uh, right? Yeah. You know, so like that staccato vibe, you know. You could say a lot of people were doing it. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's that that hook is very similar to what uh uh what Foreigner was doing. So like and taste wise, taste wise what he's playing is a lot like sort of Ben Mount Tench would do. He would have been doing it on like a Hammond B three or something. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking awesome. I just love it so much and I just love Billy Squire so much and uh I hope that everybody listens to more Billy Squire because he's the fucking raddest. There was a movie recently, like uh, called. It was a, a, a guy who killed Bigfoot, or killed Hitler, and then the Bigfoot. Oh, right, recently. Yeah. right. That yeah, that movie. Right. I yeah. love that fucking movie. It's fucking great. But the fucking movie opens with Sam Elliott, sort of sad in a bar, and fucking the jukebox comes on, and Lonely as the Night comes on, just blasting. It's the best. Yeah, <laughs> it's so rad. You forget, yeah. like he's 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 deep with hits. I made a playlist for Joe. Uh, recently, uh, that's like fucking in, like almost two hours long, and it's fucking hits. Yeah, he he just has a, a giant pack of them for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he does. Yeah. So, 
There you have it. Well, I invite the listeners to send us a message and let us know your theories about the video. Controversial subject. <laughs> Let's get some hot talk going. You know where we stand, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> Never to be mentioned again. All right, well, there you go. Episode 45 with Gitmo Bros, and uh, we remain the number one rockers forever, even above Billy Squire. I hate to break it to you, Billy. Wow! You know, maybe you yeah. might still be number one if you hadn't made that video. Yeah, facts are facts, dog. <laughs> <laughs> only one number one (laughs) (laughs) so here we are saying goodbye on uh episode 45 and we are looking forward to seeing you next time on episode 46 say goodbye boys good night everybody man your dad was the best man mom take it easy lower it i'm not gonna lower it i have to do this now i don't mind you playing it but lower it Tune in next time for more Ear and Loathing. End transmission. Goodbye.